I got it down. Wait for wait for Steve Geller. Steve, you ready? Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, uh, welcome to the Broward County Commission meeting. I'd like to ask everybody to please rise for pledge of allegiance and please remain standing afterwards. Um, I'd like to ask our uh, incredibly astute and educationally. Uh, gifted uh, auditor Bob Melton to lead us in the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. It is customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. And I'd like to go around the dais to see if anybody would like to honor somebody. Um, let's see. Do you want to come? Our county minister? Yes, and um, as you all know, we have lost a member of our team. On March 16th, um, Steve Cernak lost his battle with cancer. And um, it's a terrible loss for all of us. I know many of you have had an opportunity to spend time with him and you know how uh, dogged he was about certain things, all things port. Um, we're really gonna miss him. Um, we have uh, a memorial service uh, tomorrow at two o'clock at the port. And the family um, has indicated that in lieu of flowers, um, we would, um, they would accept um, a contribution to the Seafarer's House, which is, once again, he's thinking about the port and maritime. Thank you. Anybody else? For sure, you Dean. Uh, I just want everyone to keep in their prayers, Sydney Aiello and Calvin Desir, two young students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas who passed this past week, two weeks. Just to add a little to uh, Steve's Cernox, uh, just a month ago, he got an award for being uh, Port Manager of the Year. Uh, it so happened that I was at another event right next door and was able to go in with him. But, but what I take away from Steve more than anything else is his valiant fight. He worked true to the end, even when he was seeming frail and in a wheelchair. Uh, and, and that's the kind of person that he was in helping us to, to get to where we, we, we got the water bill passed. We, we're now in, in, in a place to, to dredge, to expand this board. Uh, he was a great asset to us, and, and certainly we'll miss him. Mr. Rich. Yeah, I'd just like to add one other thing. Um, uh, side of him that maybe didn't have to do with the port uh, or awards, but his family. Uh, I remember him coming into my office and being so proud that he had gone to the uh, Women's March uh, with his daughter. And uh, just a, a sign of how much he cared about other issues too, and certainly about his family and his, his job. Let us all honor, also honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for their service. I'd like to ask you to please take a moment of silence.
Thank you. Please take your seats. Okay, well, welcome again to the, uh, today's March 28th, our Broward County Commission meeting. Um, item number 48, um, which has to do with funding for the Sawgrass Expressway and Pat Salerno Drive Interchange is time certain for 11 a.m. Uh, today's music was selected by Commissioner Ryan. Um, he chose to play Good Lovin' by the Grateful Dead and Cantaloupe Island by Herbie Hancock. And, uh, and Commissioner Ryan, he may not look like he's here, but he actually is here uh, somewhere uh, close by. He'll be here soon. Uh, we have one proclamation today. Um, I'm presenting a proclamation to Heather. Uh, Heather, I gotta get, where is Heather? You gotta come up here. Come on up to the front, because you're gonna uh, pronounce your last name for me, because I uh, have, is it Geronimus? Geronimus, Heather Geronimus, vice, your vice chair of MAD, National Board of Directors, uh, David Pinkster, also Florida Executive Director for MAD, and Matt Sacco, National Board Member of MAD. Uh, so Heather, David, Matt, if you come on, come up to the podium. Okay, um, whereas Walk Like Mad and Mad-5K is, is a signature fundraising event for Mad, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the nation's premier organization working to end drunk driving, help fight drug driving, support victims of this violent crime, and to prevent underage drinking. And whereas Mad supports drunk and drug driving victims and survivors at no charge, serving one person every 8.6 minutes, through local MAD victim advocates and their national call center. In 1980, the year MAD was founded, 21,000 people were killed in drunk driving cases, crashes. Since then, the deadly total has been cut in half in the United States. And whereas MAD Broward pro provides victim support services, community education, youth programs that work to eliminate underage drinking and drunk driving throughout South Florida community. And whereas on Sunday, April 28, 2019, Mad Broward will host the ultimate software, presents the LaCroix and Lennox National Account Services Walk Like Mad and Matt Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K. That's a mouthful. Brought to you by M Memorial Healthcare Systems and UBS at Heinziger Plaza in City of Fort Lauderdale. And whereas celebrity MC Tony Segreto will lead the day's festivities and will be joined by Florida Highway Patrol Major Robert Chandler and Matthew Wiz Buckley, Honorary Chairman and Heather Geronimus, event founder and chairperson. Funds raised will be used to continue MADS Broward community endeavors to bring awareness to the dangers of drinking and driving. And whereas unlike many other causes, drunk driving does not need a cure. The cure is awareness and education so that every driver drives sober or designates a driver. And whereas Broward County encourages all citizens to make responsible decisions and take appropriate measures to prevent impaired driving, now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Sunday, April 28, 2019, as Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K Day in Broward County, Florida. Let's give it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having us back here today. 
On behalf of Mad Broward, I'm thrilled that we're once again teaming up with Broward County to have what is the country's most successful fundraiser for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Together, the residents of Broward County and Mothers Against Drunk Driving have raised over $1.75 million for Mad since this event was founded in 2011. But I have to share with you why the event was founded. My father, Dr. Robert Geronimus, was killed by a drunk driver on January 24, 2009. He was one of more than 11,000 people killed by drunk drivers in 2009. When my father was killed by that drunk driver, Mothers Against Drunk Driving stepped in and helped me when nobody else could. They helped me with victim support services and helped me get through the worst time in my life. After that criminal case wrapped up, it struck me that I needed to do something to prevent these tragedies on the front end. I wanted to help MAD, but I wanted to be part of a world that never needed victim advocates and where we could say that we had no more victims of drunk drivers. So I founded this little event in Broward County. Uh, to date, as I mentioned, we've raised over $1.75 million for MAD, and thousands of people have crossed the finish line right here in downtown Fort Lauderdale. I'm here today because drunk driving still remains the number one killer on our roadways. It's the biggest traffic safety in our nation, and we still all need to pay attention to it. It takes, it takes our sponsors, it takes law enforcement, and it takes all of you. And speaking of law enforcement, since we started our event, both the Florida Highway Patrol and Fort Lauderdale have stood up their own DOI task forces, and they are making a significant impact in saving lives in our community. So I want to take a moment to thank law enforcement here in Broward County for all the lives that they save. So we hope to see the entire community at Walk Like Mad in Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale on Sunday, April 28th, 2019. Thank you. And in memory of my father, please tell somebody that you love about the dangers of drinking and driving. Good morning. As usual, Heather has, has said it best, but I would just like to thank this commission for its continued support on behalf of MAD Florida. It's so important for us to have this opportunity to get the word out about uh, how we can save lives in this community. So again, thank you for your continued support over the past several years. Okay, I'd like to start by reading um, the Thursday morning memo, AKA Tuesday morning memo. Um, but today being Thursday, we'll move this forward. Uh, the consent items are one through 35, public hearing items 36 through 42, regular items are 43 through 56. Um, 
I request the following withdrawal script errors and inclusion of additional information, starting with withdrawal <coughs> uh, deferrals and substitutions. Item number 30, withdrawal for additional review by the Office of the County Attorney. Item number 41, on item 41, the proposed borrower has requested that the item be deferred until April 16th meeting. However, because some individuals are here today to speak in the item, we, we will open the public hearing, allow those members of the public to speak, and then continue the public hearing until April 16th. Members of the public will be given the opportunity again to speak on the item on April 16th. Scrivener, er, Scrivener's errors. Item number 23. Motion currently reads to lease property for Broward County Building Code Services Division, but should read to lease property for Broward County Building Code Services Division at mark, market rental rates. Item number 34. Motion currently reads, reappointment members to various boards, uh, four positions, should read, reappointment members to various boards, six positions. Mayor's request without objection, items number 46, 47, 49, 54, and 56 be moved to consent. Additional information, item number 25, signature pages have been received. Item number 32, signature pages have been received. Item number 55, Commissioner Fisher requests to be added as a co-sponsor. Uh, please note, uh, again, uh, item number um, 48 is time certain at 11 a.m. Item number 59 and 51 will be heard concurrently. 50. I'm sorry? 50 and 51, I'm sorry. Item 50 and 51 will be heard concurrently. Um, additional material regular meeting. Um, item number 1G to 1J are board appointments. Item number 5, memo to the board from Port Everglades Department. Item number 26, amendment to Exhibit 2 submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item number 26, subparagraph 2, is a memo to the board from the Environmental Protection and Growth Management. Item number 30, memo to the board from the Office of Management and Budget. Item number 30, subparagraph 2, proposed amendment submitted by Environmental Protection and Growth Management. Item number 34, replacement exhibit 1, submitted by Intergovernmental Affairs. Item number 43 is the parking garage updated, submitted by Mayor Bogan. Item number 45, memo to the board from Cultural Division. Item number 45, subparagraph 2, Letter to the County Administration from Fort Lauderdale Historical Society. Item number 48, resolution from the City of Sunrise. Item number 48, subparagraph 2, letter from the City of Sunrise. Item number 49, memo to the board submitted by the Office of County Attorney. Item number 50 is the amendment report submitted by Planning Council. Item number 51 is letter to the Commissioner Rich from Pompano Beach. Item number 51, subparagraph 2, is letter to the board from the LSN Partners. Item number 51, subparagraph 3, is background statistics on shelters submitted by Commissioner Furr. Item number 55, proposed amendment submitted by Vice Mayor Holness. Item number 55, subparagraph 2, is proposed amendment submitted by Commissioner Geller. Additional material for the public hearing is item number 41, letter to the county administrator from Green Spoon Martyr. And with that, I need to take a five-hour break. Um, um, Mr. Mayor. Before yes. you, if I may offer a uh, suggested alternative, an item number 41, as opposed to continue having the public hearing now and the public hearing then when uh, the movement has requested that it be withdrawn, there's only one speaker. It's the president of the teachers union who wanted to speak because she's afraid this, that the topic, not this particular item, but the topic will come back. Can we, with your permission, Mr. Mayor, uh, can we simply Permit 41 
to just be withdrawn, but give the president of the teachers union just a couple minutes to speak on that and then just withdraw it. I think it'll be simpler than having to have the public hearing. We, well, we have two speakers. Uh, also, okay. the president of the of teachers union and Dennis Mealy would want to speak on this. No, Our, I, no Dennis, only, I think Dennis only wants to speak if, uh, if it's going to be continued, if it's going to be withdrawn. Well, I'll call if he wants to speak this week. So, right. so uh, ask your county attorney, when would that be appropriate uh, for that to happen? It, it, it could be now, it could be at any time. Is, is, the, yeah, is the president of the teacher's yes, union here now? Yes, she is. Okay, you, come on up. So just to make the record clear, the item is being withdrawn. The public hearing is not being opened at this point. Right. This is just to allow somebody to speak for a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Yes, Yes, Steve, do you want to? Uh, if you want to go request, through consent, that's request, fine. Or, you, or she's right no, there. She's going to come up and speak, and we'll go through consent. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. You got it. Anything to accommodate you? I'll set the tone. Please just state your name and, and, and take it from there. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for uh, letting me have a few seconds to speak. I'll be brief. I realized the agenda item was pulled, and I had asked my hundreds of teachers to not bother showing up today because I did have them coming. I decided just to come on my own just to have a conversation with every one of you that sits on the commission that I shouldn't have to be able to have to speak to you for where we stand on anything dealing with charter schools. And I spoke to some of you yesterday and you used the word education. I want to make it clear. Charter schools are not public education. It's a business. They're stealing our children from our public schools. I shouldn't have to be standing before you to make the point across, but I can tell you right now, in August, if we need to stand here, and I will bring thousands of Broward County public school teachers, and you look them in the face and you keep telling them that charter schools is the way to educate our students. Every one of you has stood before me and you tell me that you're pro-public education. I would like to see it. I'm asking when any, some, anything like this comes before you that there's no hesitation on where Broward County public school teachers stand. And because they don't come into a meeting while they're working and teaching to stand before you to tell you to vote it down. So from now until this day forward, anything that comes before you with charter schools, I'm asking you to always vote it no. $22 million Stop enabling charter schools. We don't need our Broward County Commission enabling a business that is only taking from our public schools. That is where our students belong. That is where 15,000 teachers work. And Broward County has elite teachers in the public school system. Charter schools, you don't have to be certified. There's a turnover rate that's unbelievable, and we see that they close down. No more money needs to go to them. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mealy, do you want to speak? Uh, Dennis Mealy, 200 East Broward Boulevard. I hope to have the opportunity to meet with the speakers you just had prior to the April 16th meeting, and we'll see if there's anything that can be done. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mealy. Okay, now let's go over to our consent agenda. Consent items, as I mentioned, are 1 through uh, 35, um, and I am going to see if there's any pulls uh, from the consent agenda. Uh, go around and start with Commissioner Udine. 
Commissioner Geller. None. Commissioner Ryan. No polls. Commissioner Furr. Number 12. Okay. Uh, Commissioner, Vice Mayor Holness. Uh, Commissioner, uh, Senator Rich. No, none. Mr. Fisher. No pools, Mayor. Great. So our consent items are 1 through 35. Uh, pardon me? Uh, thank you. Now, the only speaking is on a public hearing on number 36 that I have from the public. Okay? So, so our consent items are 1 through 35, except 12 was pulled. And, um, and, and I second. I have, Forty-one has been withdrawn. With number th and number thirty has been withdrawn. And, and number thirty has been withdrawn. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let that show passing unanimously. Eight zero. Okay. So let's go yeah, to the first. Ma Mayor, just to make sure the record. And I know you stated this, but just to make sure everyone is clear on it. Uh, so twelve was pulled from consent, and as part of the motion. Items 46, 47, 49, 54, and 56 were included within the consent. Yes, that was read earlier. And 30 and 30, uh, 30 and 41 with, were withdrawn. Okay. 41 technically deferred, sir. Deferred. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's go to item number 12, Commissioner Furr. Okay. Thank you. This, you know, since we have uh, uh, been trying to get the cities involved and trying to get money for um, the homeless. And uh, the Continuum of Care Board had talked a couple years ago about trying to get money from each city. Um, you're right, trying to get money. But we, uh, up to now, it hasn't been particularly successful. Um, so what, we're what I wondered is if this may be one of the vehicles that we could try to use. This is CDBG money for those cities of 50,000 and less. All the cities that have more than that, they have their own CDBG account. They, they deal with it. But this deals with a lot of the cities that are 50,000 or less. And I'm wondering if when you know, we give that, we, we figure out all these different allocations. And I'm wondering, those, a lot of those cities have a hard time saying, you know, they're having money to be able to pull out of their budget to put into what we've been asking for. But because this isn't coming out of their ad valorem, it's coming from federal government. I'm wondering if there's a way of being able to ask those cities to create a certain percentage of that CDBG allocation to go to their, um, to their allocation for the homeless. In other words, we've asked every city to give a, give a uh, contribution. I'm looking at this as one of the, I'm wondering if this is one of those places where we could ask that. And I don't know if it's been asked before um, it sounds like it had been a little bit, but is there a way, could we ask uh, Ralph Stone? Mr. Stone. Hi, Ralph. Morning. Hi. Morning, Commissioners. Uh, had this been tried before? Uh, particularly asking the, the small cities that they're getting a portion of the block grant to allocate a piece of it for right. homelessness. Right. Uh, it has not that I'm, I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, just so all, all the commissioners are aware, uh, the, the county gets uh, block grant money based on a formula basis. We, we don't have to share with any of the cities under 50000 The board has a longstanding policy to do that. 
and basically uses the same formula that the entitlement cities get. It's based on population and low mod population. Okay. Uh, every year when we do our funding cycle, we solicit from the cities what they want to do with their share. We tell them generally what it is. We, don't, we won't know until later this summer. But we give them a ballpark and we ask them what they want to do with it. Generally, they, they do one of three things. Uh, home repair, purchase assistance, or uh, capital improvements like right. sewer and water, sidewalks, et cetera. Uh, we, we get, uh, in addition to the monies that go to uh, Kim Campbell in, in Human Services, a small emergency shelter grant, which can be used for homelessness. And we put that, it's around a couple hundred thousand dollars. We put it out every year on a competitive basis. Generally, it's Women in Distress or Covenant House or one of the other providers that, that win the awards. It's generally split. Uh, so and that's out, to, of, that's out of the CDBG grant? It's, it's, a, it's a separate grant oh, okay. that we get in addition to home and, and block grant. It's okay. very small. Right. You know, we're getting millions in home and block grant. We're getting a couple hundred thousand in emergency shelter. Uh, but, but to answer your question directly, there's nothing that precludes us from requesting that the small cities consider that. There's nothing that precludes the board from requiring it. Uh, there's nothing that precludes the board from carving it out ahead of time uh, and then taking the remainder and spreading it among the small cities based on the formula. So uh, it, it can happen. Uh, we have deferred to the small cities in terms of what their uh, desires are in the past, uh, but we'll follow your lead on wherever you want to go with it. Okay. Well, we talk about this being a, a Broward County problem, but it, it but it the it has fallen largely on the cities that border US one mm -hmm. for the most part, because that's where the the bulk of the, uh, the problem exists. So. This, this would be, if we could do this, it would kind of have a chance to pull in all those other cities and they, could, they would be able to contrib help contribute on this. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it open to the, to the board and see if this is something that would, they would consider, if uh, it makes sense. If I could, let me make a suggestion with sure. the county administrator's sure. uh, concurrence. Uh, I know at your retreat recently, you talked about doing another affordable housing workshop. Right. Uh, we could prepare some additional information for you as a component of that workshop and kind of give you this year's funding cycle is is in the pipeline okay uh, we solicited in the fall the awards uh, the, the city's preferences and their amounts and the scoring has been done so we can okay. bring to you kind of going for next forward year's. if if we wanted to do it next year okay what it might look like and that, that's fine I you know I I know that this is a you know kind of a, a bucket of money that we haven't tried to pull from and and maybe and that might be a better place to flesh it out and and hear out because we don't really have a formula I don't think and and okay um, so Commissioner Rich can maybe tell me what that formula is for how much each city we're asking from for from each city and if it is even doable to pull what those cities have would that how much would that pull from their from their grant, I don't know. Generally, the cities are getting a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, I know it's so not it's much. not a lot of money. I know it's not much. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a consideration. Commissioner Rich. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, just to let you know that um, the, there actually is a formula, but it does need to be updated. A couple of years ago, 
the COC uh, had determined that uh, we needed to um, make the cities, have the cities be our partners right. in this. So um, a formula was developed, but it is a couple of years old. We have new figures coming in from the point in time count. There are cities like Carl Springs, for instance. This is the first year that we've ever had Carl Springs in the point in time count because they do have homeless. And many, many cities that you know don't think they have a problem actually have a problem. It's not only downtown Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood or Pompano. So um, what we decided at the board meeting yesterday was uh, we, we have Rebecca McBride is now our director and we are going to um, uh, rekindle the idea of going out. We were, we were planning on going out to each city and I will be doing that as the okay. chair. Uh, and we can consider making this a part of a suggestion, okay. possibly, but we, we definitely believe that there was a comment made actually at the board meeting yesterday about um, we have a new configuration now. We have a lot of business people on the board, which is excellent because they understand the need for resources, but we had to just kind of explain that the county is putting in a tremendous amount of resources right now. Um, and not that we're going to stop doing that, but we need to have partners uh, across the county in the 31 cities to help us, uh, you know, meet our goal. We are, the point in time count is going to be coming back, and it's going to show some significant differences and increases, unfortunately, in family homelessness. So um, we need to respond to that, and we need to just kind of uh, 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 update the um, the amount that we're, we would be asking each city, but that is definitely in the pipeline going up, you know, out to the cities and negotiating and asking them to be partners with us. Great. Yeah. Great. Yes, Commissioner Udine. Just to follow up, um, I, I'm in support of, of what, what Commissioner first said, but I would I would take the idea of what Mr. Stone said. I think this would, should be a required carve-out of some of these dollars from the beginning, and we can workshop it that way. Um, I, I agree with what Commissioner Rich said as far as that we've been doing this for years, asking all the cities to contribute. We send the letter every year. We have the workshop every year, and every year we are seemingly to being in the same place. These are non-ad valorem dollars. It makes, it's, it's for some of the smaller cities, covers a, a different geographical area of the county. I think we should start from the premise of there will be a carve-out of some, not all of them, but some of these dollars, and then that can then save us the postage of the letter that we send out every year to the cities uh, before we have this issue discussed further. I would also, while I'd love to have a workshop on this, I want to be careful with lumping this into the workforce and affordable housing workshop. It's a different issue, and I think it sets people off the wrong way. The affordable and workshop housing issue is different than this. We know it, but I just think as the public looks at it, throwing the homeless issue into that issue, I think, sets off some alarm bells for people that we don't want to do. Vice Mayor Holness? Yes. I, I'm supportive of this. I, I like the, uh, the, the tact that uh, Mr. Stone is suggesting. Uh, being mindful that many of these smaller cities probably have programs that they've dedicated around this and, and for how, how, how long a period they have, I don't know. So we, we really need to hear from them. Uh, many of these are small cities that are struggling already. Uh, being mindful of, they might be doing some stuff mm -hmm. within their programming to help with that also within their own city uh, to, to, to uh, assist those who uh, might become homeless 
because they might need some money to repair the house. They might need uh, some other assistance that, uh, again, we don't know exactly what, what's there. So the, the idea that you suggest, I, I think, is, is very helpful uh, to ensure that we have a conversation with these cities before we go ahead and just mandate that we change it. Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just wanted to, uh, I agree, good idea in principle. I just want to check with the county attorney, and if you don't know now, that's, you know, okay to check. Um, my understanding from reading the analysis is that these are United States Department of Housing and Urban Development grants, and I'm just wanting to verify that we, as the county, because we're saying that we should mandate a certain percentage of these go, to a certain place, if there is a U.S. HUD grant to a city, I just would like you to ver check and verify. I don't know that we, the county, do or don't have any authority to mandate that a certain percentage of that be set aside. So I'm just asking you as we proceed to check and verify that. We, we will, um, Senator Geller, work with Mr. Stone, make sure that we can do it. I think Mr. Stone said that a certain percentage of this we're not required to provide to the, the cities, uh, the smaller cities anyway, correct? All, all of the cities under 50,000 that we share with is a voluntary uh, policy commitment on, on the board's part. It's really the, the county's money to, to determine what strategy you want to apply it to. So I we'll, understand. We'll, I just we'll want to make sure it. that we'll the federal check. government doesn't put restrictions on what we can do. So we, just we, asking you to check. Yes, sir. Thank you. Commissioner Fisher. Thank you, Mayor. What I want to be cognizant of, Mr. Stone, is what you said earlier about the block grant funds being used for home improvements, sidewalks, et cetera. I, I, I like the idea of what Commissioner first talking about. I just want to be cognizant of those small cities. Since it's not a large amount of money, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they are able to do the, the programs that they want to do as well mm -hmm. with, the, with those small amount of dollars. So, again, I, I'm for it, but I just want to be cognizant of, of what those other dollars should be used for, too. Thank you. Commissioner, for to close. Yeah, thanks, and I, and I think all of us would be cognizant of that. Every every one of those cities has a first-time home buyer program, and uh, you know, home uh, repair. Yeah, so we, so we don't want to we don't want to take that away, but maybe there's a, we can shift a little bit of it. But I do think this is a chance for us to, they, for the cities to be partners with us. They, we haven't found a way to do it before. This may be one of those ways. And secondly, we've been looking at CDBG funds like this for a number of years. We haven't weighed in. We have not been strategizing at all as a board on how the best way to use these dollars are. We've simply kind of rubber stamped it. So this is a chance where we can start to strategize what our priorities are and, and uh, kind of weigh in on it and, and come up with a really good strategy. So with that, I'll move it. Second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing 8-0. Okay. Um, now uh, to our public hearing. We're going to open up a public hearing on items 36 to 42. Public hearing item on 36 is now open. N item number 36 is a motion to consider approval of consent of lessor to assignment and assumption of amended and restated agreement from Port Everglades International Logistics Center, LLC, to Center, Port, Center Point Port Everglades, LLC, pursuant to Chapter 32, Part 1, Section 32.5 of the Broward County Administrative Code, Two public hearings are required on this item. This is the first of the two required public hearings. The public hearing is now open. Are there any members of the public that wish to speak? I have one person that has signed up. Eric Swanson, are you here? For questions only. For questions only? 
Okay, anybody else that would like to, to speak uh, from the public? Seeing none, I'm gonna bring it back to the dais. Are there any commissioners that would like? Commissioner Furr? Do we, have we, was there an exact exit fee that was established for transfer of ownership on this? Yes. It was formulaic, if I recall, but there is a, there is a fee. 242,000. I, I think they were very close. Uh, Commissioner Furr, I don't know if uh, Russell Morrison, uh, Mr. Morrison is a lead port attorney, and he, do you know if the final fee has been established? Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor. There's an estimated fee. I think it's uh, two, it's, uh, yeah, it's an estimated fee that's plugged into the consent agreement, right. So they're close because there's some approximate closing costs that have not been finalized yet. This will be finalized prior to the second public hearing? Um, I think, I don't know what date they have for closing, but it's anticipated the closing date would be on or about the second public hearing date, so. Okay. Okay, okay. thank you very much. Is, well, how will this affect, if any at all, <laughs> or uh, timeline to have this completed? Are we gonna have any issue there? I, I think this is something that we need in a great way for, for, for uh, the economic growth of, of Broward County. Yes, it shouldn't affect the timeline. If the payment that's ultimately due is not paid, the consent is deemed null and void. But everything that we've received, all indications from the assignee and the assignors, it's a go. So, okay. Mr. Wilshire, do you have anything else to add to that? Yes, to the Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, Glenn Wilshire, Acting Port Director. Uh, the, uh, just to, to, to pardon? <laughs> It was Go on ahead. consent. Go ahead. It's on consent, I believe. Uh, just a, a follow up: the uh, the estimated uh, exit fee is uh, two hundred forty two thousand six ninety eight. As uh, Mr. Morrison said, uh, there are some some fees that continue on a monthly basis until closing. So we estimate the final fee will actually be a little bit higher than that. Uh, as far as the uh, uh, any impacts on the timeline of current construction, Vice Mayor? The uh, uh, the the new LLC is retaining uh, ANC, which was the original contractor that was developed. So uh, every indication that we've received is that there is no uh, change in the construction timeline from the original project. Great, thank you. Anybody else? Motion to approve. Second. Okay. No. 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 The public hearing is now closed. Um, we there's no action on the motion required at this time. The second and final public hearing of this item will be held on April 9, 2019. Okay. Okay. Let's go to item number 37. The public hearing is now open for, uh, for item number 37. It's a motion to consider award of renewal, class one ALS rescue certificates of public convenience and necessity to the city of Dania Beach, town of Lauderdale by the, by the sea, city of Lauderdale Lakes, city of Margate Fire Rescue, town of Southwest Ranches, and the city of Sunrise Fire Rescue Department. Um, any speakers on number 37 uh, from the public? Seeing none, I'm bringing it back to the dais. Anybody? I have a move, do I have a second? All in favor on number item 37? Any opposed? Show that passing 8-0. Um, um, item number 38 is a motion to enact an ordinance adopting amendments to the Broward County Comprehensive Plan related to the Broward Municipal Services District, amending most of the plan's elements. Um, I see no speakers from item number 38 from the public, bringing it back to the dais. Second. I have a move and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? 
Show item 38 passing unanimously, eight to zero. Item number 39 is a motion to consider enactment of an ordinance pertaining to the Washington Park, Roosevelt Gardens, and Boulevard Gardens Neighborhood Preservation Enhancement Districts. Seeing no one from the public uh, wants to speak on this, bring it back to the dais. Any, anybody want to speak on this? No? Do I have a motion? Oh, Vice Mayor Holness. Let me thank our staff for the great work that they've done on both of these items uh, in, in moving uh, our community forward. Uh, and, and with that, I move the item. I think this answers some of the residents' issues that, that they've had over time in terms of our planning. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is something really good for, for the unincorporated area. Okay, uh, he's moved the item. Move I have a second. Item. I have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously, 8-0. Going to item number 40 is a motion to adopt a resolution pertaining to paratransit fare structure and amending section 41.04 of the County Administrative Code. Um, I see no uh, speakers from the public. Uh, bring it back to the dais. Nope, we got uh, Commissioner Ho Geller. Believe I've been assured that this is the case, but just want to verify that increasing this is not going to uh, increase the total amount that's currently budgeted for this program. Um, that's I, I previously asked, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, have that on the record that doing this uh, is not expected to add any money. Is my understanding because, in fact, it would be diverting people from the existing higher paying uh, tops. You program. are correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, anybody else? Yeah. Okay, item number 40 is moved. Do I have a second? second. All, I have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show item 40 passing unanimously, 8-0. Item number 41, as we discussed earlier, has been deferred. Item number 42 is a motion to consider adoption of a resolution amending sections 12.138 through 12.141 of the County Administrative Code to create a residential district advisory board consistent with the terms of the settlement agreement between the City of Pompano Beach and Broward County. Uh, seeing no members from the public, bring it back to the dais. I uh, uh, recognize Vice Mayor Holness. Uh, if I may ask your staff, in terms of timeline for us to be uh, able to have folks submit to be on this advisory Board, what is our timeline? Do we have a timeline? I, at, th at this point, we were just getting the board created. Um, we'll work with um, with you all to, you know, come up with the process that you're going to use to be able to to uh, um, consider individuals for um, the positions. We it's, it's our next step. We haven't laid that out just yet. And I'd like to comment that um, this is something that I was. Out of the entire board, I was the one that was involved with our county attorney in creating. And um, I believe it calls for three commissioners. And the three commissioners that would be most appropriate, yes? It's up to three commissioners. Up to three yeah. commissioners. And so since this involves my district, I was involved with the uh, settlement. You used to represent it. Obviously, the mayor, former mayor uh, of Pompano. So I think that really is, is the most appropriate three commissioners that would want and should be involved. We know that that area most well, and, um, and as far as the appointment, I think we get together in a public meeting and discuss if we each appoint two people, because that will be a total of uh, nine, so three plus each two, we each appoint two people. Mayor, yes. you, can, you can certainly, we could sign trying to meet theoretically, and you could certainly 
nominate people, but the way the ordinance is written, they're at-large appointments by the county commission. Right. E right. Well, okay. but we could, okay. we could recommend and bring them back to the commission. Yes, sir. That's we, what we I was that meeting if that occurred. Right. But that's for, this is just setting it up right now. Okay. So item number 42, anybody else? Okay. I second the mayor. Motion and a second. Yes. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show item number 42 passing unanimously eight to zero and we have an 11 o'clock. Do you want to start at five minutes early? No, keep it going. Okay. Let's skip up to um, our delegation item number 44 from Russell Rand. Thing on 43, or just uh, just the report is addressing 43. Hold on one second. It's the parking garage. I'm gonna do it. No, I, there's nothing I want to add on the uh, on the parking garage. It's there for everybody to read. If somebody wants to bring something up, they can bring it up. I, uh, I'm not going to bring it up at the next meeting. Um, so, so, so happy to do the delegation. Um, again, uh, is Russell Rand not here? Okay, number 45 is delegation from Patri Patricia Zeiler, Executive Director of the Fort Lauderdale Historical Society, regarding a request for a waiver of the application deadline for submission of fiscal year 2020 Cultural Investment Program grant application to Broward Cultural Division. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. Go ahead. You got two minutes. Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commissioners, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. First of all, you have a little handout from our agency and um, the very first Broward County walking tour um, uh, that, that's part of our, our plan down there on the campus. We, we manage three museums and a full research library on the New River. Um, we're not a gated and moated facility, so we are an open-air museum welcoming folks on the campus all the time for free tours. Um, we have signage for free walking tours. We do frequent family fun days and have a lot of free community events. The first five months of this fiscal year, we've hosted more that we've welcomed more than 57,000 visitors for free events, and this grant is critical for the continuation of those programmings. At the end of the calendar year of 18, we lost a key um, uh, staff member. She was our finance manager, and she managed our grant process. We found an excellent, competent person to take her place. However, that person had uh, a, a two family crises immediately and was not really able to assume the duties of that role until the beginning of February, uh, the financial management, and it, it fell right at the time of our annual audit as well. So these extenuating circumstances led to the missing of this grant deadline. Um, we're currently interviewing for a full-time uh, development person who will manage our grant process um, so that this will never happen again. And I request a waiver for this grant deadline. Thank you so much. Um, before I give this to Commissioner Geller, I just want to clarify. So the person that normally would apply, I think, passed away. Is that what you're saying? No, I lost a, a, a grant manager, I mean, our finance manager. Right. But then her replacement, who's a CPA and a much more qualified person, she lost both her mother and her father within two months. Okay. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Geller? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I sit as 
the uh, Broward County Commission representative on the Cultural Council, so I've discussed this with our Broward County staff person extensively. Um, and uh, honestly, I'm torn on this, and I can tell you our professional staff is also torn on this. And the, the concerns that we have are, number one, they did obviously know about the deadline, and they started, uh, they sent in a, I forget the details, but a computerized uh, application beginning knowing that they had the deadline. The county does give a grace period of, I forget whether it's seven or 10 days. This was submitted shortly after that deadline was up. The concern is that A, the evaluations are done by volunteers and there are so many submittals that A, we don't have enough money to fund all of the current submittals and secondly, uh, that it's putting additional work on the volunteers. So I, I do have concerns about waiving the deadline. On the other hand, I said I was torn. They're a really good group, and we're concerned that the loss of our grant could be substantially detrimental to, to um, the, the Fort Lauderdale Historical Society. So. I'm torn on that, and again, I can tell you our professional staff is also torn. What I would suggest, and I know this is just for discussion so we can't do something, I would suggest that there, there needs to be some, we can't just have after the grace period, particularly if they didn't know about it, that would be one thing. They did, and they began the submittal and then didn't finish it in, in the timely fashion. I would suggest that we do give them money, that there be some penalty. There, ha I think there has to be, because otherwise all of the other groups will be submitting late. Whether the penalty is 10% or 50%, I'm making no suggestion. I do think, again, I, I sit on the Cultural Council as a representative. I do think it's appropriate to provide funding for them, because they are a really, really good group. On the other hand, I think there has to be some small penalty for just missing it with the warning of, again, of course, it can't happen again. But whether, I'm not offering a suggestion whether that be a 10% penalty or a 50% penalty or 25% penalty. I think there needs to be some, but I would hate to see them not funded at all. And that's just my input, having discussed this matter with our staff and, and with other people. Vice Mayor Holness. Yes, I, I know Ms. Zala, she, we, we work together on the uh, TMA uh, board. Uh, I think she's someone who's sincere and honest. Uh, you know, extenuating circumstances happen from time to time. We can, we can control life. Folks die. And, 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 and folks need to attend to that. So, so I'm, if it was something different, Maybe I would be in a different place. Uh, but with that in mind, I, I don't want to penalize this organization. I think we fund them for a good while. And I've also, I also believe, Ms. Henry, if I'm correct, we have done something similar to this in the past, have we? Yes, we have. Okay, so this is not uh, a precedent setting, uh, correct. Uh, and 
the work that they do, I mean, the numbers that I'm seeing here from what they added, they, they handed out to us, 113,000 visitors, is certainly an enhancement to the tourism experience, the cultural experience of Broward County. And we, we want to make sure that you're in place and that we are able to welcome these visitors here uh, for them to share in the rich history of Broward County. So I'm, I'm totally in support of us waving it this one time. I mean, and this is one time, of course. Uh, you said it won't happen again, so we expect that it won't. Uh, and it's unlikely that we're going to have the same set of circumstances uh, going forward. So I'm in full support of, of waiving uh, the, the, the or process here to allow for you to be able to get funding. And, and before I give it to Commissioner Fisher, I agree with uh, Vice Mayor Holness. I, I am also in support. Yeah, Mayor, not to belabor the point, and I, Vice Mayor really took the words out of my mouth as far as the circumstances that you can't control and uh, your commitment that it's not going to happen again. So I would not want to penalize you for that. Uh, and if you look at all the items that you do handle, I mean, obviously Commissioner Glassman's uh, support in District 2, he's a huge support of yours and the documentation he provided to us as well. So I would hope that this board would continue to support it and with the understanding that it's not going to happen again. Thank you. Anybody else? Could I ask our... A staff person. Well, before uh, before to, a second, comment. anybody else who wants to speak on first? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. No, I, I was not going to speak, and I was just going to say, I see Leslie here, are the Broward County Cultural Acting Director, and I was going to ask if we could have her speak and tell her, tell us what she thinks happened. And I previously she's told me she doesn't have any recommendation, but I'll ask her again. So would it be appropriate to ask sure. her staff person to speak on this? Leslie. Thank you, Commissioners, Mayor. Uh, the Fort Lauderdale Historical Society did ask for a waiver back in 2009. At that time, they were required to I'm submit I'm sorry, 2009? 2009. They okay. were required to submit their audited financials. That's no longer required of any of our applicants, and they received a waiver at that time. Uh, since then, they've applied on time. However, we are concerned about this being precedent-setting for the future. Right now, it's just a, a yeah, small delay, and we still can hear from the panel on the 10th of uh, April. However, we would not be in favor of organizations submitting waivers later that would impact the panel. Yeah, and Ms. Mayor, I just want, so my understanding from our prior conversations, again, is that since we have more applications than we have money approving this, which I do recommend, will of course take money away from all of the other organizations that there, applied on time. Yes, there are 33 applicants this year. Okay, could you further elaborate? You, you had told me that they had begun the application process but then didn't finish it or something. Can you elaborate on that? That's all the information that we have. We know that on the 4th of December, they began their application. We're not able to see how far they took it. Okay. And then ha there is a grace period, correct? There's a 10-day grace period, and in this case, they submitted their letter requesting the waiver ten, uh, 14 days after the application due date on February 1st. Okay. Uh, Anybody want to move this? Thank you. Oh, there's this discussion? No. Um, well, we can't take action. You, you can't take action, but if it's the will of the board, we could prepare a resolution, bring it back for the next meeting waiving that provision of the administrative code. So then we get a consensus of the board of, of, of 
you, you waiving it if, if, or not if, waiving it? If any member wants us to prepare a resolution and put it on for uh, the next meeting, whether it's unconditional yeah. or conditional, we can we can look into that and we can prepare it. The, the only thing I think, uh, County uh, Attorney, is there is some time constraint in terms of when the uh, board uh, review, the, the volunteer group reviews these applications. So if, 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 it, if it's possible, I'd like to make a motion that we uh, waive uh, uh, the uh, deadline for this applicant this one time. And, you, and, and then we can go through the process because I, I Is that I legal? It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, uh, effective, but what we can do is to express the will of the board if that's what you want to do, okay. either by the motion or just to, in order to facilitate this process starting, giving the time limitations, right. the formal action, whether it's ratifying any sort of motion that occurred today yes. uh, or just an actual resolution that would be approved at the next meeting waiving the code, that would formalize it and would effectuate it at the next meeting. But you could certainly express a consensus today in order to provide direction to staff and, and to have the so application. I, I make a motion that we have director county attorney to bring a resolution forward to waive uh, the, uh, the, the deadline for, for this group. Second. Second. Okay, do we take a vote on that motion? Yes. All in favor, you want to raise your hands? Okay, I think it looks unanimous. Yes, okay. Eight zero, bring it back. Thank you, Councilor. Okay, um, anything else on item uh, 45? Then um, I, let's go to item 50, it's a two-part motion. Uh, we, you know, we, have, um, we have a time set at 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold on. It's, it's on 48, I think. Pardon me? Right, I'm gonna ask our county attorney, our we have a time certain at 11. I'm right in the middle of the public hearing. Do you want me to stop the public hearing or finish it up? You, you, I, you're done with the, with the public hearing. You could, you could move on to 48. We're done, okay, so we're done with the public hearing. Okay, so let's move back to uh, 48. Yes, sir. Hold on. Item number 48 is motion to discuss and provide update regarding FDOT's letter dated February 8, 2019 to the City of Sunrise regarding funding for the Sawgrass Expressway and the Pat Salerno interchange. Uh, thank you. I have one speaker um, that is signed up on item number 48. Richard's, is it Richard Solomon? Hey, Richard. Good morning, Mayor and Commission. Uh, I just wanted to come here from the City of Sunrise. I'm Richard Solomon, City Manager for Sunrise. I wanted to thank the Commission for its prior support for the Pat Salerno Drive Interchange project. Um, since your uh, last meeting on this, uh, where you authorized the County Administrator to uh, negotiate with uh, Turnpike Enterprise and Sunrise, uh, we did have a chance to meet. We had a productive meeting. Um, the result of that is uh, the City Commission uh, uh, on Tuesday night uh, passed a resolution in support of a joint letter that uh, Ms. Henry and I sent to uh, the governor's office and basically um, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of the City Commission I think uh, this is obviously an important project for uh, your body as well as my body and it, it was just it's great to have us all working in the same direction okay, before you. I go to the dais um, I'm, I'm a little confused because you said that um, you know great support and you guys come up with a meeting and consensus and um, my understanding though is the city is not willing really to give what they're willing out of the 28 million is it 
the city is only willing to contribute one million. Is that correct? And over twenty year a payout. Uh, uh, two million. Two million over a twenty year payout. Correct. So we're using the surtax dollars. The city of Sunrise doesn't actually have any allocated surtax dollars. We're going to apply to use the surtax dollars for this, but of course we don't have a an approved uh, allocation. The county has obviously the 90% allocation for transportation projects. The, the amount that Sunrise receives, even if we were doing it on a prorated basis based on population, is pretty minuscule. And so we don't have the, de the, the deep pockets of a future surtax revenues coming in. We, there's a lot of revenue that will come in, but Sunrise is potentially going to get a, a fairly small amount of that. We are willing to allocate a portion of that. Okay. Though. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. And thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Um, I am going to take issue on the surtax though, a little bit here. Okay. Um, because you, because the money does, as, and I read your resolution that said, city commission hereby commits to locally fund the full interchange of Pat Salerno Drive and Sawgrass Expressway in an amount up to $2 million over 200 years using transportation surtax revenues anticipated to be received. But it's, the cities aren't actually getting money per se. They're getting money for projects, but they're not going to be getting like a million here or a million there. Correct. Sunrise stands to get $209 million for in your projects, in your projects. Oh, we've requested, we've given a so list of projects, yes. Those are approved. But Those, they have not been prioritized, so we don't know what correct. will get approved. But that is what you're, you're going to be getting, $209 million for your city. $45 million of those is in rehab and maintenance, of which most cities to date have always done that, done that themselves. They, most cities, and I can't think of one that doesn't, does their own paving, all those kind of things. That they they have you know historically that's been their job on on city roads, so you're going to have 45 million dollars, essentially. That you you know free. To to do with what you want, to do other things because the surtax is going to be paying that 45 million dollars for you. Understand what I'm saying? I do understand what so you're you, saying. So you so you are you are, being able to commit that 45 million to wherever you want. It's fine to say, and, 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 and I think what the resolution should be saying is, because we don't have to be paying this, this money for maintenance, we will be putting $2 million up for, the, for this contribution. But the, the way that it reads, I think reads illegally. It shouldn't, be, it, that, it shouldn't be said that way. You all should be saying, because we have money that we're not having to spend, we can then put that money aside to put toward the Pat Salerno Parkway. I'm saying that because I think that's a more appropriate way to, to put it. And I think it's a more, uh, just a better way to do it. I understand, and I, I apologize. I, I do understand that we have submitted, along with other cities, the, the list of projects. Right. And my hope is that we get them all funded. I don't know what we will get funded, but I certainly hope that we will. They have and all it will been be beneficial for all of us. All of these have been approved. All 709, just to be clear. Okay. 709 projects submitted by all the cities. All of, we have approved all of those. They are part of the budget. Now, when, when, they, when it comes in over the next 30 years, that's to be determined. 
But I know that we are trying as best we can to do a lot, of, front load some of the rehab and maintenance to get some of those out. So there's a, there's a good chance that you, ha that you will probably have a, 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 uh, some money from your, from your budget in the next couple of years that will be freed from having to do paving and maintenance because Surtax is going to be doing that. That money should be, you should be saying, we will commit that money to this. And certainly if, I, if we need to make a, a modification to the resolution, I have, I have no issue with that and I would be happy to take it to my commission. This reflected the substance of the conversation uh, that we've had with Ms. Uh, Henry and her team. Um, but if, if it needs to be modified in order to more accurately reflect the situation, I'm happy to do that. Thank you. Vice Mayor Holness. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely disappointed. And I think it's pretty much a sham, what you're presenting to us. You're taking the money that is already being put in place through uh, this bond referendum that we all fought very hard to get in place. And in fact, I tell you this, I'm disappointed also that our cities didn't step up a bit more to help us pass that bond issue the referendum issue. And to come and, and say, well, we're going to put money in, two million, but it's coming out of this pool over here. That's not saying the city of Sunrise is putting anything in. You're not. And we also have some other, I also have some other issues, and I think the county has some other issues also that we would expect the city to be more cooperative with us on, okay? We're working to put in place some development on the BBNT site from the negotiations that we had with the Panthers. The cooperation that we're looking for, we're not receiving. The density that we are being told we can have is much less than what was given to Metropica and other developers out there. Why are we, the county, being penalized by the city of Sunrise in these developmental opportunities? So, and, and, and we're here now, pretty much, you're asking for us to foot the whole bill of this exchange. Yes, it's, it's a regional issue. But the city of Sunrise is going to be more directly impacted by this than anywhere else. So that's one issue there. We also have the issue of allowing for affordable housing. That's not being put in play either. So I got to tell you this, Ms. Henry, I can't support this. I cannot. Not unless the city of Sunrise step up and be a true partner with us on these issues that we have that's coming in front of you. And I understand there are other issues also. These are two critical ones, the most critical ones. And until these are resolved, I don't think we should. I think our board should stand firm and says, hey, let's cooperate together. Let's make things work together. Let's give some to get some. It's not fair to all the people of Broward County. When you're holding back on, on, on giving us the opportunity to develop affordable housing that's so sorely needed throughout this county, when you're holding back on the development of opportunities to enhance the economy and the economic output for the folks in Broward County to ensure that we're growing jobs and we're creating an opportunity for all our people. That's not right. I'm not supporting this at all. 
And I hope that my colleagues will join me in not supporting this until the city does something. And you can, you can have a special meeting if need be to address these issues to make sure that they're in play before the 30th. That's what my expectation. Thank you. Just to, and just to respond, um, we actually did address it. I sent a, a letter to Ms. Henry yesterday um, explaining that, because we discussed this in our conversations, on the, the drainage entitlements and the density issue that you talked about, the city of Sunrise actually believes, there, there's some confusion on this, but we believe that there is sufficient uh, entitlements in place on the drainage side for you to build your development. We, right now, because about 60% of the existing development that's there, the, the existing land is above the 10-foot uh, 10, uh, uh, floor flooding elevation that uh, exists currently today, there's also already a large amount of that uh, site that can be developed. We, in addition, we got additional entitlements for the county to develop. If it turns out that based upon the county's uh, consulting engineer, once you come up with a plan, if it turns out that there are some additional drainage entitlements necessary, I explained to Ms. Henry, we'll work with your team. We're, we're very creative in trying to find appropriate ways to handle these things. But right now, as it stands today, we don't actually know what the entitlements that will be needed are for that property. And you don't know it either because no one knows how that's going to be developed. But we are certainly committed to working with your team to try to find solutions to all these things. On the affordable housing side, I also uh, committed from a staff perspective. My commission has not had a chance to discuss this. And honestly, no plan has been submitted by the county because you don't have one yet. You're still working in the preliminary phases. But once we have a submittal or a plan or a proposal from the county, my, my county commission will have a conversation, or my city commission will have a conversation on this matter with affordable housing. From a staff perspective, I've explained to Ms. Henry that I believe that there's an opportunity, uh, and my staff believes there's an opportunity to include affordable units within market rate housing. It will, do we expect that there will be affordable housing communities built there? No. But this is because this area is a market rate housing area, but there's certainly an opportunity to include affordable units, I believe, within those market rate housing buildings. All right. I mean, this, this kind of language, did you understand what, what was just said to us? I mean, you're telling me this is a market rate area, and, and <laughs> I, I can't, I, no, I can't. And, and, and I'd like, uh, after we speak, for, to hear from staff. And here where staff is on it, I, I think Senator, uh, uh, I Commissioner it. Rich. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got a cue. Commissioner Geller, Commissioner Rich, and Commissioner Udine all in queue. Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I am concerned, first of all, just because I know how to read resolutions. Um, and when I read something that says that the city commission hereby commits to locally fund the full exchange in an amount of up to $2 million, funding it for 10,000 is an amount of up to $2 million. There is nothing, no commitment here, nothing for even the 2 million. And it was my understanding originally we'd been asking to have it split 50-50 between the county share and the city share. That would be 14 each. but. You know, I, I am very concerned that this resolution, where you, you say, well, we're committed for $2 million, 
But again, that's not at all what the resolution says. It just says we'll commit it in an amount of up to two million um, over 20 years using future transportation surtax. And again, as uh, Commissioner Furr said, that if that is um, given in projects, and you guys, the city could easily say, well, we haven't received any direct grants from the surtax of just cash that we could spend. So I'm concerned on the amount of $2 million in total, but I'm more concerned that the plain wording of this resolution commits to spending exactly nothing. So in, in response to that, the, the intent here is to, uh, for the city commission to indicate its written support, its support for the, for the local funding. The result of all of this will be a local funding agreement with the Florida Turnpike Enterprise and the county. That will spell out the details. The, the discussion that I had with Ms. Henry is that, I, that we could afford to take basically $100,000 a year of surtax revenues and allocate it to this for up to, two year, for up to 20 years. That was the, and that's where the $2 million came in. My commission is aware of that. My commission is supportive of that. Just to give you, put it in perspective, I did a, a simple calculation of Sawgrass Mills Mall alone. The, the, the additional surtax revenue that will be generated from that mall is probably somewhere in the order of $31 million a year, just from the mall and nothing else. The, of that, the county will get approximately $28 million. Sunrise is not allocated any, but if let's assume that we got a pro rata share of 5% of the, the municipal dollars because that's about what our population is in Broward County. If we got that, we would get about $155,000 a year. So I'm committing basically of that pro rata amount from the, the mall where the county gets $28 million a year, I'm committing 100,000 of my 155,000 even though I don't have any specific allocation whatsoever. That's okay. where that's where we came up with the numbers we try in just the relative amount that we are going to get for, directly from this ramp. We were trying to be uh, as reasonable as we could. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, question of the county administrator. Ms. Henry, we're talking is it my understanding that we're talking about needing to come up with 28 million over what period of time? So actually, the, <clears throat> the amount that we're talking about is somewhere between 30, 28 million and 33. The 28 million um, is the number that we were given by the Turnpike Authority, but they've also indicated that with a full uh, interchange, you would have to um, perform some mitigation. You need some, um, acquire some land and to mitigate. Um, as part of the discussions that we've had with the, the city of Sunrise, they have uh, identified some property that they have also indicated in a letter to me that they would be willing to look to help us look at the piece that would be mitigation that I think we estimated around $5 million. So the project, if you go full bore somewhere in that 30 some odd million dollar range, and uh, some of the costs associated with that is land acquisition and mitigation. 
on the 28 to 33 million dollars that you're discussing, when would the county need to pay that 28 to 33 million dollars? Is that over 20 years or is that? No. That's normally not the way that the Turnpike Authority works. I was assuming. But so with, um, with our past local funding agreements, um, they, um, you know, they will tend to want to know that they have all of the money up front. It would be our intent if this board uh, moves forward with this that we would try to break those payments up into um, the, the design costs so that, we, so that we're not trying to put $33 million in their hands at one point in time. And then once they have resolved some of the, the other pieces, um, that the construction, but I suspect that um, in five years, total? probably if 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 not sooner. Okay, if I can ask the auditor, because you're the only accountant here, I think, what is the current value or the present value of a hundred thousand a year over twenty years? Because it's not two million dollars. I, I, I realize you probably don't have calculations, <laughs> I, uh, but I, I'm just pointing out if we're having to pay 33 million over the next three, four, five years, a hundred thousand a year over 20 years is not two million. It's the current value of that. I'm going to guess is somewhere six, seven, eight hundred thousand. But I, I haven't done the calculations. Somewhere in that ballpark, sir. Maybe half. Okay. Um, I want to help the city of Sunrise. Um, I represent, I think, two precincts in the city of Sunrise. Um, I, I, I think that the interchange is important. Uh, I, I like us to be helping. I share some of Commissioner Holness's concerns, uh, and I would like to hear if there's a recommendation from the county administrator. But the concerns that I have are I think we need Sunrise to be step up and be more of a partner in this than they have been. I've read the letters. I've followed the discussions. There's a lot of, like I said, something that says up to $2 million and then being told 100000 a year for 20 years, which is a present value of six, seven hundred. There's just, regardless of whether the $2 million is an acceptable number, I'm concerned that we don't have concrete Agreements. You said that a lot of these would be worked out over time. Ms. Henry or county attorney, if either of you can answer my question on this. If we have, I'm concerned that we have a deadline in give or take three days that we have to make binding commitments to the state, or maybe we don't, that's what I'm asking. And our binding commitments, which need to be made in three days, we will not have commensurate binding commitments from the cities as to what will actually occur. Uh, we'll have you know, vague promises to discuss, but I'm reluctant for the county to make firm commitments until we have whatever they are, vague, firm commitments from the cities. And can I ask either the county administrator or the county attorney to address that to make sure I understand it correctly. From, from the legal side, Senator Geller, you understand it exactly correctly. If, if we are obligated to give a written commitment 
uh, to unless things have changed to FDOT by the end of this month, there is no firm commitment uh, for a variety of reasons, including those that you've pointed out from the city of Sunrise. So we can certainly take statements and, and hope that things work out, but from a legally binding aspect, it doesn't exist. Okay. I'm through, but I would like to ask the county administrator if she yeah, has the any only, the Ill, response the, the or, comment, or recommendation. The, the comment that I um, that I wanted to make is this: remember that there there are two elements um, to our commitment. So there's the the letter that's due in three days, and then there is the actual local funding agreement, which is the um, I guess that would be the technical com the technical commitment. And we've had some discussions. That's why I defer to uh, Mr. Myers as to um, the letter versus the local funded agreement. I am very clear that the local funded agreement, um, when you adopt and sign off on that, is a commitment. You're done. I mean, we, we're, we're there. I had some, I don't, um, the issue about the letter, I'm not sure. And, and, and let me just address it as well. I, have, I do not have historical dealings with FDOT. FDOT stood, or the Turnpike Authority, said that it wanted a written commitment. If, right. if, if they mean something less than a, an actual written commitment, that's a different story. My understanding is that they're looking for a letter that says we will enter into a uh, local funding agreement that provides, whether it's $28 million or $28 million plus mitigation, and, and, and when we issue that letter, uh, our failure to comply with it uh, might have consequences, financial consequences for us down the road. Well, uh, uh, I, I kind of need an answer here because I'm willing to keep working with the city of Sunrise, you know, with the expectation that before we enter into binding commitments, they can deal with some of the issues, for example, that Commissioner Holness raised, that, that we've raised on staff, but I am reluctant to enter into something where the county can say, all right, county, you are now on the hook for $33 million, and then the city of Sunrise, not that they would ever do this, but could say, well, great, thanks, but we, we discussed with our commission, we're not going to vote for what you guys said, and so we'll commit up to $2 million, that's $1.75. I'm reluctant to enter into binding commitments with the state, without binding commitments from the city, and I think that's fair. Senator Geller, Mayor, may I please ask uh, Mike Kerr, uh, who, who has had dealings with FDOT, uh, uh, just to come up to address that letter? Uh. No. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank, absolutely. Thank you, sir. <laughs> morning, Mayor. Good morning, Mike. Uh, typically, <clears throat> in dealing with either FDOT or the Turnpike Authority, what they require as a commitment is an actual formal resolution of whoever the local governmental agency is. Because of timing issues, you'll remember it was kind of a rush and the mayor got uh, the Turnpike Authority to extend the deadline from March 15th to the end of this month. However, they still required, they do still require a written commitment. And as Mr. Myers said, that could have con uh, financial consequences once you authorize the county administrator no to execute that commitment and send it to the Turnpike Authority. Does that answer your question? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I want to continue to work with the City of Sunrise to get written commitments that we can all live with, but I'm reluctant to have the county do something that will subject us to 28 to 33 million without 
those written commitments, binding commitments from the city of Sunrise. I'm trying to figure out mm -hmm. if we take action now and the city of Sunrise does not agree, is there anything that, are, are we nonetheless bound to the state without this, anything in writing from the city of Sunrise? So if I may provide a clarification. So based directly upon the discussions that uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Michael Ryan and I had with uh, Ms. Henry and her team, the city of Sunrise agreed to offer up to $2 million towards the cost. As a direct result of those meetings, Bert, Ms. Henry and I issued a joint letter uh, extended to the governor's office offering a joint contribution of $15 million plus the mitigation uh, and uh, land acquisition issues. So instead of $28 million, we offered $15 million. We have not received a response on that. That was, on, that was based upon those conversations, and there was a joint letter from the two of us. Um, we are hopeful that they, they will feel that that is an appropriate amount for us to jointly contribute. Um, and we are waiting on a response for that. I've seen our county administrator and what my, shake and what their my, head no. And just as a comment, my, what my city commission did as part of this resolution is I, I attached that letter to the agenda item, and their, letter, their support in this resolution is also support for that, that commitment to the state. Steve, i got to move on. So I, th there's two things. Um, there are representatives here from the Turnpike Authority. So if if you, if we'd like to have one of them give you a definitive answer, because it, we're, right now we're we're in supposition about what um, what they will accept. Sure, bring, and, bring them and, up. And and how much? I've surrendered my time back to the mayor. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to have so, the Turnpike Authority uh, individuals come on up? Good morning. Hi. Would you state your name, please? Good morning. Uh, my name is Christina Cologne. I'm the Director of Transportation Development for Florida's Turnpike Enterprise. Um, yes, I'm here to answer any questions that you might have. Commissioner Geller, you want to ask him? Ask your question? <coughs> yes, uh, you've heard my questions. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep working with the city to get appropriate binding resolutions. I'm very reluctant to say, yes, we're here for 28 to $33 million without getting those things. Because again, a commitment of up to $2 million a year is not a commitment. Uh, excuse me, up to a total amount of $2 million, in my view, is not a commitment at all. So can I ask you, if, we, if Ms. Henry executes a letter of intent or whatever it is, and then we're unable to reach an agreement with the city, do you come and foreclose on Broward County? <laughs> I mean, or what happens? Um, well, essentially, what we're looking for by the end of this month, and, I, and I'd like to um, also state that we had requested sort of a, a timely commitment the end of um, uh, 2018. Uh, so this is the third time that we've sort of extended that deadline. So, um, but what we're looking to do, and what we what we need, um, we obviously are wanting to be a partner here. Um, we have a certain schedule to try to get the, um, this project under construction in 2023. And what we need to do is we need to scope our design consultants and we need to know what 
sort of property acquisition. You know, what property we, do we need? What sort of environmental permits do we need to prepare? And so by the end of this month, we would like to know what project does everyone want. That's one of the main things is do you want the full interchange now? Do you want to do the northbound on-ramp only? Is it a phase construction? And that's one of the main reasons why we're looking for that um, commitment to explain what you guys have agreed to that you want for the interchange so that we can scope the project and that we can get all of our consultants, which there are, there's a lot of work to do here, um, started and, and off on the right track. So that's the main reason for the, um, the March commitment the end of this month to um, understand what it is you, um, the city and the county are looking for in terms of what the project looks like. Yes, then from March to May, um, we um, you know, anticipate that you all will come to terms with how you would like to, um, to work out the financials of it. And then by the May 31st, we would um, be able to enter into an agreement for the, the financial logistics nuts and bolts. Does that help explain? Hasn't fully answered my question as to what happens <coughs> if we tell you yes and then we can't reach terms with the city of Sunrise. But other people here have heard my questions and I'll leave it to them to follow up because I've spoken enough on this. Commissioner Rich. Um, I, I, this doesn't have to do with, with you, okay. so I mean, it, it's, it's really more with uh, Mr. Solomon. So um, for me, um, I've been kind of got involved with this as soon as I became elected because I represent most of Sunrise or a lot of Sunrise. And um, so what I, I guess the first thing I would say is that this just needs to be more of a partnership. And I, I just don't see that. Um, I'm one who feels like we really can't split uh, this whole issue of an interchange away from what's going on with the development that we'd like to see at the BB&T Center. So I come back to, I sat in a meeting um, that Larry chaired, and uh, we had all the major uh, players, uh, people who, the Panthers, um, the American Express, Sawgrass uh, Mills, uh, Metropica, and, and, and others, all sitting around a table at the, uh, at the, uh, at the BB&T Center talking about what the needs were, what they'd like to see in this development. And um, everyone kept referring to live, work, and play. And when it got around to me, I had a problem because everything, I, I listed all the things that people wanted, like the Panthers want a hotel, right? Uh, the Sawgrass Mills, it's more retail. American Express has their needs. Everybody has their needs, but nobody mentioned affordable housing. And um, when I brought that up, people then began to say, oh, like uh, the, the COO from Panthers that was there said, yeah, we, we need affordable housing because our employees can't live anywhere near here and they're working two, three jobs. So. People began to, to, you know, discuss that that needed to be a component. And I, I, I feel that what I'm reading here is there's no commitment here. And that's very important. The, you know, if we, the exchange, the development, it kind of all works together. And I, I feel that we need to go back to the drawing boards to talk about um, 
more of a major commitment to, to the exchange itself, the interchange, and also to making sure that when we get this design and let's plan out there on the table, that we're not going to have to be sitting there arguing about affordable housing. We're going to have a rational nexus study go out. And I know many cities, including Sunrise, say, you know, we have enough affordable housing, we don't need it. Well, this study is going to show exactly the opposite. So when we bring that in, you know, we expect, hopefully, that the cities are going to realize that you can't live and work, work and play together unless there are places for you. You can't work and play. You can work and play, but you can't live. Then, you know, you're not accomplishing the goal of the affordable housing. And it's mixed income, mixed use, and that's what the people around the table, you know, understood that. It wasn't an argument about not doing that. So that's more coming from the, you know, from the commission and so forth. So I, I, I want to know that that's a part of this before we are able to really move ahead with a tremendous commitment on our part. And so, and you and I have had a, a opportunity, uh, Commissioner, to briefly discuss the issue of affordable housing. And what we discussed was that as a component of market rate housing, I believe that there is an opportunity for that. And I, I truly do believe that. But the reality is, for the, for the interchange issue, we have till March 31st to basically come up with an agreement here to uh, support moving forward with that and the local funding. But my commission has never had a conversation about the nature of affordable housing at the BBNT Center, what percentage, what type, what it would be like. And that that's, makes a lot of sense because it's still in the conceptual uh, development phase right now. So the county doesn't even know yet what it's looking to put on that site, what the markets will bear on that site. And so the county hasn't produced any uh, firm proposals for, for housing or any type of development on that site. They're in the process of evaluating that right now. Once they have that and they can bring that forward, that's the time when my commission needs to get involved in a conversation. And I've spoken with each of them, and I've let them all know what my conversations have been with, with uh, both you, Commissioner, and with Ms. Henry on this issue, and that I believe from the staff perspective, uh, working with my staff, that there is an opportunity to, in, to uh, include affordable housing units within this uh, development. What that looks like, I don't know the answer to it. And until my commission can can have a, a discussion, a full discussion based upon a proposal, there's no way to, to know what that would be. So I, I, I can tell you that I'm committed to, to working with your staff on this. I can't tell you that my commission has made any commitments because they haven't even had the conversation yet, and of course I can't bind them. But I'm certainly willing to work with them, and I'm so, certainly willing to work with your, your team on this. The reality is Sunrise we have had a vision for this, this uh, Sawgrass Business and Entertainment District area um, for 20 plus years. It involves a lot of density, a lot of mixed use, housing, office, retail, commercial, all types of uses, and high quality development. The BB&T Center and the ULI study um, that was uh, done on behalf of the county supported our vision that this is a great opportunity to do a high quality, dense, mixed use type of development. And Sunrise is supportive of anything that advances 
our goals in that regard. So we want to work with your team. When it comes to drainage issues, for example, we want the density, we want the elevations, we want all of this. So it would be foolish for us to go against our own interests in order to, you know, to play a game with drainage. We have no interest in doing that. And I have told uh, Ms. Henry multiple times, work with our team, involve our team from the very beginning and every step because we are very good at finding solutions when there are issues or challenges. We're, we do that all the time. We work with developers. Sunrise is a little different than most communities. We are aggressively pursuing economic development opportunities and, and opportunities to develop a really special corridor in that Sunrise Business and Entertainment District. We have the, the basis for doing it because we have the largest corporate park in South Florida there. We have American Express. We have Sawgrass Mills Mall. We have BB&T Center. We have all of the infrastructure that we need there, and we're willing to do whatever we need to to make sure that that development, whether it's Metropica, whether it's Vistera, whether it's the BB&T Center site, that these developments are successful. We're going to work with you as partners. We want that because it is completely in our interest to do that. Now, are we going to accept a bunch of strip shopping centers? Probably not. That's probably not going to be consistent with our vision. But if we're looking for good quality, dense development, absolutely. It's, in our, it's consistent with our vision, and we want to work with your team on that. And that includes recognizing that affordable housing is very important to the county. It has been for many years. Obviously, you've been a, a very strong proponent of it. It's not lost in my commission. Uh, before we, Commissioner Udine, um, council asked me to call up Mike Kerr. He has an answer on something that's been brought up. Mr. Kerr. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> I had an opportunity to discuss with the Turnpike Authority as to what commitment they would require from the county. And, and it, my understanding, and they can correct me if I'm wrong, is that what they're looking for is a commitment to do a project whether it's the full interchange or the ramp. But they need that written commitment to do the project so we can get in the queue so they can line up their design team, which the design would not uh, commence until uh, late June or July, and that the commitment would not uh, entail any monetary exposure to the county if the city and the county cannot negotiate acceptable terms and then if basically if the parties walked away from the project prior to the LFA being executed so there would be no, no downside there wouldn't be no uh, monetary no exposure Commissioner you did I think no. you may want to hear from the that, turnpike that's Thanks. exactly what I was going to kind of bring up I, I have meetings on my my personal calendar with uh, the other side of the sawgrass where we didn't finish that interchange the correct way all the way through to 95. FDOT and the Turnpike are not going to, with a straight face, build something that's not adequate for the future. I, I do not even really care what their studies say right now. We see that road every day as we drive through there. That being said, I think we should send a letter to um, where we need to send a letter that's subject to an interlocal agreement between the city of Sunrise and the county. It's the county's desire to see a full interchange there because I think that that's what it should be. That's what Sunrise wants. That's what the county wants. And in the interim, after we send that letter, 
we come up in the next, it shouldn't take that long, with a document that can be worked out, that can go in there. But in that document, the city of Sunrise is going to have to recognize there's something called a partnership. And a partnership means two people come together as partners. What that doesn't mean is that the city gets to dictate to the county, well, we're going to give you less entitlements, we're going to make you pay all the impact fees, even though we didn't make some of the developers pay their full share of those impact fees. It needs to be a fair, agreed upon process between the county and the city. And that's, I don't feel that's how the, the action has taken place in the past. That's a separate issue from what I want to see with the interchange. I believe it has to be a full interchange. I won't vote for anything besides that because I'm not going to sit back here 10 years from now and deal with the billion dollar mistake that we made on the north side, and I know it's a different issue of the Sawgrass Expressway, where we're having meeting after meeting now trying to figure out where to come up with the dollars the right of way and how to fix this later. I know that they're, what the Turnpike and DOT is going to do, they need a letter and they need some kind of guidance of what we want to see there. So if there's anybody that only wants to see half an interchange there, we should probably speak now. I don't think there is anybody that wants to see half an interchange there. They're not going to build half an interchange there. I don't care what their studies say. They're never going to even get it through the state at this point. I've spoken to state uh, leaders on this. The BB&T Center is used as an emergency staging area for, hur for hurricanes now. There is a lot of, of momentum to get this thing done and to do it the right way. So I, I know there's not a motion that needs to be made, but let's just send a letter subject to the full ILA being done that that's what we're supportive of seeing. Mr. Mayor, what are we going to Hold on. Is there going to be a motion? or it's Let, a motion Let's first let everybody speak, okay. and then uh, Commissioner Furr, then Vice Mayor Holness. Actually, I concur entirely. That's it? Yep. Vice Mayor Holness. <laughs> so, so I am for the letter being sent. However, it must be conditioned on... It is. Well, I want to be specific that we need to ensure that they agree to affordable housing because I hear them say market rate, market rate, market rate. That's not affordable. Okay. I mean, in the end, he says, well, you know, we're supportive of what the county is supportive of. But I don't want we go down the road and then we have issues. Uh, he's, he's heard it. <laughs> he's heard it the, the, and that's not the, only, that's not the only issue. Development is, issue and all the other issues that we have with Sunrise need to be included. So we take care of what we need to do, not just what we just talked about. Anything else, Ms. Henry, that we have that we need to take care of need to be included in that agreement uh, before we commit to any of that. Because as it is, as it is, as it is right now, we're going to bear the whole burden off this entire amount of money. Two million, a hundred thousand a year is a joke. It's not serious. No one's supporting it. Commissioner Ryan. Thank you. I think we have um, <clears throat> several issues that are unresolved. Um, when you mention <clears throat> you're interested, <clears throat> excuse me, in density, I don't think that the density question is the same thing as the drainage entitlements. I mean, if your interest is just allowing the county to develop maybe one-third of the site because right now you have, I think, um, the majority of this property is uh, 
encumbered or, or limited in its use with respect to the uh, to the drainage issue. So we would be really uh, hamstrung if if we had to move forward without a commitment on on uh, uh, on the drainage is issues. Secondly, is you know we talk a lot about affordable housing, and of course, you know. Uh, Commissioner Rich is our champion on that, but it seems like you're saying that you would like to have some affordable housing component, but the way it's being described seems to me like you want to have one little section be available for affordable housing when it would be more appropriate <clears throat> that it be blended into the development. So I, I would like to see I would like to see something along uh, that that vein. And then the third thing, if I understand what Mike Kerr said, uh, we would probably be best served initially to go forward with a um, a statement that's kind of a, a minimalist with regard to what the county is is um, uh, proposing, and then that we could grow it. Mr. Kerr, could you come back and see if if I understand what you said? Because you. You indicated that we would be able to avoid a a monetary exposure, but I, I assume that meant we'd have to really propose a very very small project to get our foot in the door and then grow it as the uh, interlocal agreement developed. Uh, if if that was your understanding, then I did not communicate very well. Okay, Basically, okay. what yeah. the Turnpike Authority is looking for is a commitment to either basically the full interchange with the ramp or the ramp. They need to know which one. And in doing that, if it, I don't believe, uh, in, at least in my conversations, uh, that it's going to be modified unless we somehow negotiate something different prior to the execution of the local funding agreement. But I believe they want a commitment to the specific project. So how could you give a commitment to a specific project but then not have any monetary exposure? I asked, I, I asked that question because they will not be out of pocket uh, any expenses until later, July or so. But in order to get their consultants on board to define the <laughs> scope of work, They've got to negotiate that. They've got to negotiate fees. So I believe it's uh, their intent to, uh, once they receive the commitment, to start that process to get the consultants on board for a specific scope of work. All right. With that clarification of what <clears throat> is required by FDOT, uh, I think that it does lend itself more towards uh, the suggestion of Commissioner Udine that we look at a, uh, a full uh, inter intersection exchange, that we don't just do the ramp, that we do the complete project. Uh, and I, I think that's where the commission is. Well, I want to just, so basically the letter that you're talking about, as far as in, in the legal capacity, is like an MOU. It's the significance of an MOU, which is a memorandum of understanding, and it's not legally binding. Exactly, and okay. we can, we've got so the turnpike we, folks here. So why don't we, we have no downside, why don't we direct our county attorney, if you agree to, to prepare this letter, MOU, whatever you want to call it, and, and so there's no, we could always get out of it later and we could move on. It, 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 
Yeah. Right. Uh, so, okay. so do we need a motion for that? Yeah. Yes, I think direction so, should be by motion. And I just, uh, the, so, so the, the letter would state that it's the full, the full interchange. Full interchange. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's subject, our, sure. our financial commitment is subject to entering into a, a local funding agreement that uh, Which city uh, prior to the end of May, I think is the deadline, May 31st. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and then in the interim, we would uh, continue discussions with the, the city. city of Sunrise and yes. other potential stakeholders on these issues. So it's okay. a motion to direct. Motion, yes, yes motion to oh, direct. direct. That letter be sent. We, 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 we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing 8-0 with a comment. Go ahead. Can we, and then, I, sorry, Senator Rich. I just wanted to make sure, because the turnpike folks are, are here, I wanted to make sure that we're not misunderstanding. You want to bring uh, them up? To please, why don't, you, why don't you come on up and for the record state, are we on, uh, all on the same page here? Yes, I think you're on the same page. A memorandum of understanding uh, letter, uh, what the scope of the project is you're supporting, full interchange it, it sounds like, mm -hmm. um, and that you know, you're working towards agreements um, with uh, the City of Sunrise on the 50% contribution and you know you're working towards that LFA and um, that will allow us to start scoping and we have a couple months of work to even scope um, that and so by May 31st you know if we have your LF LFA um, we'll you know uh, give our consultants notice to proceed and move forward and if we don't then we'll go back to our original and move forward with our original okay Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Can I just say something? To you? Mike. Excuse me. Kerr. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I just wanted to say something to clarify because Richard was correct, uh, and I, just to clarify for you, Commissioner Ryan, that the, the and it says it in here the way we are, are looking at affordable housing is mixed use, not separate developments, not separate buildings, and it says it right here: meaningful number of units within market rate multi-family residential buildings for affordable housing subject to evaluation of the project. So it's inclusionary, it's like inclusionary zoning, which we're gonna be talking about in the workshop, that a certain amount is required if you're you know, dealing with a, a, a development or project that is receiving tax dollars from other people and so forth. So it's one of the tools in the toolbox, the inclusionary zone, and this is kind of what this is stating out here. So I'm you know, comfortable. I'm just not comfortable with the commitment. It's the wording is right about what you know we'd like to see happen, but you know the rest we'll have to work on. And and that wording is very consistent with what what's being contemplated. Sure, Commissioner Udine. I just don't think that the state and FDOT should leave. We should st uh, when, in, when they leave here, we want the full interchange. We want to be partners and try and help ways to find ways to fund it. But we also still are going to be pursuing avenues so that the state would pay more towards this also. That should also be in the toolbox at the end of the day. They shouldn't just leave here saying, okay, it's 50 for us and 50 from someone else. I think that there's also some state reasons, some valid reasons why the state should pay more. And, uh, Mr. Mayor, one, yes. one other comment on this briefly. Since I don't want next time this happens for us to be waiting on the last day or three days before, can we ask the county administrator to put a deadline uh, with the city of Sunrise of having a written agreement 30 days before whatever date we've just established to vote, so we're not going to have something at the last last three days working it out. 
I will work with the city on the deadlines. Okay, let's move. To, I think item 50 is our next item. County administrators, item 50, our next item. Concurrently with 51, Mayor. 5051. Okay, let's first read it. Part 50, item 50 is a two part motion. Part A is a motion to adopt a resolution directing the county administrator public and notice a public hearing to be held on May 7th to consider transmittal to designated state review agencies of a proposed amendment to the Broward County Land Use Plan map in the City of Hollywood as an amendment to the Broward County Comprehensive Plan. Part B is a motion to adopt the resolution directing the county administrator to publish notice of a public hearing to be held on May 7th to consider transmittal to designated state review agencies of a proposed amendment to the Broward County Land Use Plan text establishing the Diplomat Activity Center in the City of Hollywood as an amendment to the Broward County Comprehensive Plan. Item 51 is a motion to discuss the Broward County policy regarding city staff being used as shelter volunteers and potential interlocal agreement with the municipalities to create an equitable process for providing a shelter assistance. Um, so we're doing both of these intertwined at the same time? Okay, uh, since I'm going to, um, how do you? May, Mayor? <laughs> yes. If I, if I, uh, both uh, Commissioner Furr and I have, um, you know, have items. His, he has an, uh, he has concepts that we find very interesting. But if I could open this up, because I, I want to make sure that this is framed in the right way. Um, I'm going to start with, today we have a policy in our land use in our in our land use plan that says we shall discourage land use plan amendments uh, which negatively impact hurricane evacuation clearance times and or emergency shelter capacities recognizing that we're all we get it our administration wasn't trying to stop this development we tried to find another way to address the issue that is of concern. And the concern that I have, and we have expressed in any number of times, has to do with our inability to adequately staff all of these shelters during a real emergency, during a hurricane. I'm gonna back up. Prior to 2016, shelters were, um, managed, per se, by the American Red Cross. So whether it was in Broward County, Miami-Dade County, and I've had lots of conversations with others, but we were, we were very dependent upon the American Red Cross to run these shelters. They did, they did a fantastic job. But they notified us that for a host of reasons, funding, the number of emergencies all over the country that they said that they cannot make that commitment anymore. And we were informed of that in the fall of 2016. So we started to scramble to try to figure out how do we, so that means we gotta protect ourselves and we gotta try to figure out how to do this. So we started working with them and our first real opportunity was during Hurricane Irma. We stood up, Hurricane Irma, um, a cat two, I guess, I don't know, whatever it ended up being. And we, we recognized that we needed a lot more help. You know, we had a lot of people that, that burnt a lot of, 
a lot of midnight hours to try to get that done. So the long and the short of this, I just want there to be clarity that our goal has never been to stop this development. We're trying to work with it. But I recognize my limitations. I do not have enough staff to do this. We reached out to municipalities for their help. We didn't get it. So when we then come back and ask for more density in an area that we know we're going to have to evacuate, I think that this is, you know, way, if it's getting folks' attention, great. But that's, that's our goal is to make sure that our community is safe. And right now, um, if, if Commissioner Furr's concept can take legs and run with it, we're open. So I just want, before I hand it off to Commissioner Furr, just to be real specific, uh, we had a mayor's council meeting and, and several mayors uh, were upset that uh, claiming the county was holding up certain approvals because um, we weren't getting um, we weren't getting any type of commitment on volunteers for the shelters or help with the shelters or staff for the shelters. And everybody's saying, well, the school's responsible, the county's responsible, or the city's responsible. Renee's got the law on this. Renee, would you come on up? I just want to make sure, so we got it down, who is legally responsible? And uh, you, you gave it to me yesterday. I'd like you to Certainly. read it out loud. Certainly, Mayor. So there's two statutes on point, 252.38 and 252.385. The first one addresses emergency management powers of the political subdivisions, both cities and counties. And the second one addresses public shelters. So the first one on the powers starts by emphasizing that it's the innate responsibility of both cities and counties to address emergency management. So let me stop you. Cities and counties is responsible to address... Emergency management generally. So it starts with the innate responsibility of both political subdivisions, and it defines political subdivision as both cities and counties. Okay. And then it goes to that it's the responsibility of school board to, quote, provide facilities and necessary personnel to staff such facilities. As the county administrator pointed out, there have been historically been issues with getting sufficient staffing. Red Cross has provided some school board has not been able to provide sufficient staffing for all the shelters. So the city, if I can interrupt you, the city and county is responsible for implementing, it sounds like, but the school board is responsible for providing the facilities and the staffing. In, in this one statute, I'm going to get you both for in a second, but overall, yes, Mayor. Um, the only uh, statute that addresses staffing at all is this 2052-2238, which says the school board provides the facilities and the staffing. Um, the county has reimbursed the school board for that, um, in large part based upon FEMA and FDM funding. The second statute is the only one that addresses shelters itself. And it's really focused on the physical shelter facilities. It doesn't say a word about staffing on it. So the only statutory authority on staffing is the one that we talked about, the first statute, which says school boards provide facilities and staffing. Um, as the county administrator points out, the other authority on this is the Broward County Land Use Plan, which has the policy statement 2128, which indicates that um, one of the considerations should be to make sure that when there's increased density, you're addressing the hurricane evacuation and emergency shelter capabilities uh, and capacities. Um, and then I can go into what the requests were for the two cities that are at issue if you need me to go there. Last but not least, the shelters, you said, talks about the physical. Who is the authority in that? What does it say in the second? So the first statute says the authorities for the cities and the counties and the responsibilities, and it gives the power and the authority two cities and two counties um, to provide, to use their staff and their personnel, but the only statutory 
obligation stated is to the school board to provide its staffing. Right. So both cities and counties have the power and okay. authority to provide their personnel. Okay. And then the next issue is um, the, the frustration by several cities that the county staff is using um, uh, using the land use issues uh, with respect to um, getting commitments. Maybe I'll start with the uh, public speakers, and then we'll bring it back to the dais. Um, let's first start with Mayor Rex Harden. The mayor, before the mayor comes up, Mayor, just real quick, they are not certifying those LUPAs because of this. So rather it's discouraging, they're not certifying without having this in place, so they are holding it up. Right, right, record. right. Next, after, come on up, Rex, and then George Platt, and then somebody by the name of uh, Daniel Sturmer will be after that to mention who he is. Before, can I just have that comment explained to me by staff as far as they're not Because <clears throat> taking away... Wait, you know, we'll, we'll, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Let's get the speakers, okay. and then we'll bring it back, because I agree with you. I want to get more into that. Um, Commission Mayor Hardin, welcome. Thank you. Come thank on. you, Mayor, and, th and thank you, commissioners and staff, for, for uh, hearing us on these important issues. I'm here today with um, some of my staff. Our emergency management staff is here, along with some of our planning folks. Um, to help if there's any questions having to do with this. This, uh, this is a, a, a well-meaning issue. We all know that. We have to provide for shelters. We have to provide personnel to man shelters. We have to take care of the residents of Broward County. Um, the question is how we get there. And I know that the county commission, um, in their wisdom, came up with a, a, a policy, okay, that we need to staff. Of course, absolutely. None of us disagree with that. The question is how we get there. And I think with a well-meaning policy, I think staff has interpreted, taken that policy and as a way to get there has linked it to this land use plan amendment tactic, which number one, that is not going to fulfill the needs of this county. Um, so let's start there. I mean, yeah, if, if the city of Pompano Beach or if the, you know, through our land use plan amendment and the city of Hollywood through theirs, we agree to certain staffing um, that, is, that is basically being extracted from us, um, that's not going to solve the problem. I, I think your county administrator would probably agree with that. So let's start with that. It's broken. It doesn't work. We need to figure out how to get where something will work. Um, I think, you know, linking it to um, ILA with all the cities, that's, that's, a, that's a wise way to go because every city is impacted by this. It's not just the city of Pompano Beach, not just the city of Hollywood. And, in all honesty, it's not just the city or the county of Broward. Um, we also, in, in times of serious evacuation, we're going to have evacuees from other counties. Now, we can't, we can't dictate to other counties what they do, but what we can do is make sure we have sufficient personnel. Now, I don't know what the answer is as far as the, the, with the school board and, and the, the requirements for them to be providing the staffing and the locations. Now, that, it seems pretty on the reading of the actual statute that that's where the real responsibility lies. Um, but I can tell you from the city of Pompano Beach perspective, um, we don't think the current method is <coughs> adequate, nor is it fair to, um, to single out a certain indiv individual cities um, and so instead of making this a more regional approach. And I, as the mayor of the city of Pompano Beach, I certainly encourage and am willing to work with the county to as a regional approach, countywide, let's, let's get where we need to be to take care of our citizens. The administrator is correct. This is our responsibility. Um, we have our emergency management staff that they are charged with emergency management, just like that. They're not charged with 
lining up personnel for the, for the shelters. That's not their charge. That, that's, that is specifically stated elsewhere in the statutes. So we're here. We're, uh, we're willing to answer any questions you have. I know it's going to be a robust discussion. Um, let's solve this problem. Let's solve this problem together. Um, holding up land use plan amendments, that, uh, that basically is blackmail. Um, it seems like, and not to mention the fact, as I stated, it's not going to solve the problem. And I know that uh, we all want, you know, good growth in Broward County. So basically saying, well, no, you can't do that here, um, but you can do it out there. It's, well, the city of Sunrise, if they, if they, and I'm not picking on any particular city, of course, but if the city of Sunrise has a large increase in, in population out there, well, there may come a time where evacuees need to come from there also. So rather than just say the eastern, eastern areas, well, that's an easy target because everybody knows the hurricanes usually come off the ocean, but not necessarily. I, I'll, I'll wrap it up now. I, I can see I, I'm you. getting the hook here. But no, it's an important topic. I'm here. Our staff is here. So thank Stay you. Here. Thank you. Mr. Platt. The Honorable Mr. Platt. Thank you, uh, George Platt from LSN Partners here on behalf of Hidden Harbor, uh, which is a, um, a, a mixed-use uh, proposed development in the city of Pompano Beach. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, okay. And um, we uh, commenced uh, the land use plan amendment and the process of coming forward with a mixed-use development in 2013. So we've been at this a while. In March of 2018, the Broward County Planning Council staff, using the referenced new provision of Broward Next, which wasn't in existence when we started the process, uh, recommended denial because the city had not agreed to provide staffing for hurricane evacuation shelters in the event of a Zone B, that's east of US-1, evacuation. We met with the city manager, the emergency management staff of the city, uh, with individual uh, commissioners and then Mayor uh, Lamar Fisher uh, separately and uh, Henry Sneezek joined us in the meeting with the city manager. The city manager, uh, I sent you all a letter that laid out this in some detail. I attached a copy of the letter that the city manager sent in which he basically said that the city is committed to, quote, work with the county and municipal partners to recruit public volunteers to build a temporary evacuation shelter workforce. Uh, subsequently, the land use plan amendment was approved unanimously by both the Planning Council and the Broward County Commission. A condition was recommended uh, by the Planning Council at the behest of school board member Good, who said, well, gee, you ought to put that in a binding agreement. And there, therein comes the binding agreement from a recommendation of a recommending only body. It's not really embodied in any ordinance that you have. Okay. And that binding agreement became uh, uh, an issue because the language that was drafted by the county who drafted the agreement and sent it out to the cities, um, some of the cities pushed back on the agreement. The bottom line is that that you do need to work together. Uh, it is too important not to work together, but to hold up in this de facto moratorium on land use plan amendments and development, penalizing only developments east of US-1 seems, seems really not reconcilable with what you're really trying to achieve. And so I ask you, this commission, to exercise your authority, which is superior to the Planning Council authority, 
to decide that you want to work together to try to get an interlocal agreement with the cities and that you decouple this issue from the land use plan amendments under the language in Broward next one additional resident east of US 1 would constitute an impact on the evacuation shelters potentially and that is pretty ridiculous so my suggestion is there's a better way to achieve what you're trying to do but this is not it and it's not fair to those of us that have developments that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars thousands of jobs and they're being held up uh, right now the city cannot get its land use plan recertified because it hasn't signed an agreement thank you thank you sir next up would be Daniel Steimer is it Beamer uh, oh Daniel Sturmer Sturmer welcome good, good morning mr. mayor mr. vice mayor members of the Commission I'm trying to be nice to him. He doesn't have to be. It's fine. No, I like joking. Daniel Sturmer, the mayor of the city of Weston, the chair of the Broward County Planning Council, and the incoming president of the Broward League of Cities. So I stand before you this morning wearing a number of hats. The Broward League of Cities is prepared to and commits to sitting down with the Broward County Commission to converse um, through or traverse through this conversation, as Mayor Furr and I have been doing, as well as Commissioner Rich, who sits on the Planning Council. To Mr. Platt's point and to Ms. Henry's point, there's a recertification issue going on in Pompano Beach, and there is a land use amendment that was approved by the Planning Council that has your number 50 today that should have been set months ago that was not. So that application has been pending, and in your normal course of business, would have been before you months ago in your normal course of business, but was not until today. What we'd ask for you to do is decouple this issue, push forward the land use plan amendment, transmit it to the state. It's going to come back. We agree that there are issues with regard to sheltering. And as Ms. Harrod said, 252.38 subdivision D sp speaks to who is to provide staff for the shelters. We agree there is an issue. The question becomes, how do we handle that issue? The cities don't determine where shelters are located. That's not our responsibility. To 252.38, the county has emergency responsibility. Cities have responsibilities. That's what 252.38 talks about, dual responsibilities under that for emergency management. There's a county system, and there are city systems. In my city, I have 10 employees. Those 10 employees are integral, necessary folks in my EOC to provide my response to my community. And you know what? We have three to five shelters in my community, and none of those people potentially are coming from my city that I'm going to divert staff from my EOC to go serve the shelters. We're prepared to work on a process. There's also another issue. It's not just staff. Staff needs to be certified to a level two. It's not normal staff that you can just pull off of your counter and send out to an EOC shelter. There's special training and certifications that's required. So please, it's not as simple as just give staff. It's not. So please, I ask you to decouple this. I ask you to transmit item 50 and work, allow the, uh, the, this board and the cities to have a conversation about how to do something that's beneficial for our community. I can't promise you what that's going to be. I can tell you this morning there are cities that say, heck no. There are cities that say, heck yes. 
Let us work through the process together. That's what I ask you to do this morning. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Last, um, Jamie Hernandez. Good morning, Mayor, members of the commission. Jamie Hernandez, Hollywood Emergency Management. Uh, I just wanted to take a minute to respond to some of the comments uh, made among the commission uh, re uh, regarding municipal involvement in e emergency and disaster sheltering. Uh, so far as the interpretation of 252.38, uh, the City of Hollywood back in November did receive correspondence, did request and receive correspondence uh, from the State Division of Emergency Management in terms of the interpretation and application of that statute. If I may read so, uh, the division has not heard of any county in, the, in Florida attempting to compel municipalities or entities other than the local school board to participate in emergency or disaster sheltering. It seems only Broward County is acting in this manner. We're also not aware of any county discouraging or denying, either presently or in the past, land use plan amendments due to issues with hurricane evacuation sheltering. So that, that's just one part. The other thing I wanted to put forth before the commission for consideration on this issue is that, and this is kind of a follow-up to that, uh, I've had conversations uh, with neighboring counties, specifically Miami-Dade and Palm Beach. Uh, neither one of them tried to compel or even request uh, municipal participation in, in uh, hurricane sheltering evacuation or, or disaster sheltering. Um, this is something that's undertaken exclusively by the county. Both of those counties recognize it's and the application and the interpretation of the statute under, under their state and, uh, and apply it accordingly as their responsibility and to a lesser extent that of the, of the American Red Cross. The question that I have and most of the cities that feel this way have is the county does have access to resources under the law uh, for additional staffing and it's not at the municipal level, it's at the school board level. Uh, they legally have the ability under the law uh, and this is Hollywood's interpretation of this, to go to the school board and request those additional resources from the school board without subject to negotiation or any of that. So that's the question we have. We're obviously willing to participate and work with the county. We have put forth a request through the ECC, the Emergency Coordinating Council, uh, to put, form an ad hoc committee to try to find solutions to this. Uh, but Hollywood is standing firm in its interpretation of this statute uh, and confirmed by the state that this is a county and a school board issue. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna bring it back to the dais. Um, Commissioner Furr introduced this, and then I got Commissioner Udine, I got Vice Mayor Holness. Bertha, did you wanna also wait? Just just a couple, just to clarify, because I think you need to have this in the backdrop of your, as sure. you deliberate. The state informed us that there is no requirement for schools to staff these shelters. But that contradicts the statute. I, I'm just, uh, what I'm, they, this became a huge issue with the Florida Association of Counties because the Florida, the FEMA and the um, Department of Emergency Management came out with this edict and this became a huge issue. If they have backed off of that, they have not let us know. That's number one. Number two, when you, when you try to compare Broward County to Miami-Dade and Palm Beach, I think you have to get to the bottom line is Miami-Dade has a huge unincorporated area which they control. They have lots of people. They can do that. Same with Palm Beach. We are built out and incorporated. The unincorporated area is this big. 
So trying to compare apples and oranges at this point is counterproductive. I am open, as I've, as I, as I've indicated. All we want is help because our community needs to have that. So I'm going to have Commissioner for open, and then Commissioner Udine is going to go first afterwards. I got Vice Mayor Holness, and then, any, and then Commissioner Rich, Commissioner Fisher. We'll go around. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, first of all, at the mayor's council that uh, the mayor uh, brought up, this was roundly dis uh, discussed, and I thought it was. I, I thought some of the conversation there was very good. I thought it opened it opened up a lot of possibilities, and frankly, that's why I think uh, Mayor Sermer is here today, uh, lending uh, support from Broward League of Cities and opening that opening that possibility for discussion. I appreciate what um, Mayor Hardin said as well. I thought you expressed that very well, as did all the other speakers, so that, that helps. The first thing is I think we really do, and many of you already have already mentioned what the big picture is. But the big picture is as, as different layers of government, we are all responsible for making sure our, our citizens are safe. That's the bottom line. We, got, we have to do that. And they are counting on us. They're counting on us to have, especially some of the old houses and people living, regardless of where you're living in Broward County especially those on special needs or, you know, they're counting on us. And they want to, you know, they are expecting those shelters to be there. I will tell you at the last hurricane, when I was in the emergency operations center, and I watched uh, as our administrator and as our administration in general, was struggling to try to figure out where are we getting all the staff for all of these shelters. And, you know, we were looking at the list this is opening up the curtain a little bit. But if you open up that curtain, here's what I was seeing. I'm, I'm looking at getting, getting calls from all over the place, people wanting, you know, more shelters open. You know, because they were, you know, at first everybody was saying this is Category 5. This is going to hit everybody. Where are we going? And so immediately I'm watching everybody. We need to open up, you know. We hadn't opened up all the shelters. And there was a demand right there. we got to get all these open. But the question was... We don't have enough staff, at the, you know, or, or it is going to take us right to the, you were right in, in saying you can burn everybody out like that. And that was a, that was a concern. Um, we, had, we ended up having 431 people. And just so everybody knows, who was doing the staffing of these? Our librarians, our park people, anybody that you could grab. And these aren't people that normally are, do this. This is like you know, vol our volunteers. And the reality is we needed a lot more. We were just, you know, we were, and if you look at the debriefing report of the, of the county, you'll see, and I've, and I've talked with many of the people that r ran those shelters, you know, some of them felt out of their comfort level, I'll say that. You know, they were like, these are, this is a, they were doing stuff they had never had to do before. So it's not easy. It's not that easy, and they need as much help as they could get. Um, the, the, what's incumbent upon us to figure out is how many people do we really need? Because we used 431 last time. I've talked to our own uh, EOC now, and the, and the number that we really probably need is somewhere between 750 to 1,200. That's, that's the number we really need. Um, so that you can have a couple of shifts, different people, that's, that's that. But, the reality is we can't get them all from the county. It's just not, it's not, it's, it's just not doable. 
And if you really think about it, if you think about each shelter and where they are and you can see the maps and where they're at, what really would make sense is for there to be people from every layer of government and for good reason. If you have people there from the county and there's county resources that are needed, they know where to go. If you have people from the school board and they, it's their facility, something goes down, lights go out, need a backup, man, you need that person who knows how to get a hold of the school board and maintenance people, you need them there. If something's happening in the city, local, you need somebody from the city that knows where those lever, levers of government are. We need people from every single level of, level of government to protect our citizens. That's the, that would be, I, and I think most people would agree, that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, and we need teams. By May 15th, we have to have, we really should have, no, everybody should already know, I'm going to this shelter or I'm going to this shelter. Here's my team, working with that team, knowing which, you know, where they're going. That requires an eno enormous amount of coordination. I will say last year when I asked all the cities um, to help on this, a number of cities said yes. I think we had nine cities volunteered. Um, and some cities, in, in, you know, I've talked to since then. In fact, I've talked to Hollywood. Hollywood was one that said no at the time, which I was not happy with. But um, I ended up talking to the city manager recently, and he, he thought that we were asking for public works people. And that's a big difference. Yeah, I, I need to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I didn't need a motion to extend the meeting for 30 minutes. I have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? This meeting extended for 30 minutes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. When I, when I explained to him, I said, no, we we're not needing public works people. We, you have, you, they, they're going to be as busy as possible. They're going to be cutting trees and opening roads and doing all kind of other stuff. And I said, no, we need people. We just need, we need warm bodies, really. We need people that are, you know, that are not in that. But, and then once I explained it to him, he said, yeah, we can do that. So maybe we just need, you know, maybe we needed to explain it a little bit better and recognize that. What I would like to see is, first of all, decouple this. I don't think this is, I think it was uh, a good intention. I think it was, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I'm looking at our, this is our shelter issues from the debriefing. And we had a number of things where we were trying to couple land use plans with shelter issues. Mainly we were trying to get shelters on this. We really weren't trying to get staff, but we were trying to get shelters. In hindsight, I think we should, be, we sh we should have been trying to think in terms of trying to get an interlocal agreement with the cities. And, I, and last year we were trying to put together, have an agreement with school board, and we're very close on that, I think, correct? Well, not as close as we'd like. Well, I thought we were already there, actually. Um, they had agreed initially to have the principal, maintenance people, and that, correct? So the school board has always provided us with oh, some they've support. Said, yeah, right. They've always provided us with some support. Right. What we're asking for go way beyond what they have ever done. Right. And, and, they're, and while we're working on it, we're, we're, we're just not there yet. Okay. And the fact is they have 15,000 teachers and another 15,000 employees. They have, a, they have a large group to pull from. So we should be trying to ask them, um, you know, we need your help. We need, you know, you're going to get paid. You, hope, you know, you'll have a place to stay. You'll be safe. You'll be helping a lot of other people. You, can, you know, there's ways to do this. But what we need to do is figure out what is a, you know, maybe we need to figure out a formula that, that looks at 
population, looks at uh, you know where you are, what's where the city is in the evacuation zone. How many employees do you have? When Mayor Sturmer says I only have 10, 10 employees and none are really going to be available for that, we have to take that into consideration. Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood, Hollywood has lots of employees. Fort Lauderdale has lots of employees. A lot of cities do. They're, they're more apt to have more that are available for that. So we need to figure out that kind of an interlocal agreement that can do that. I, I submit that we should be proposing this, proposing that we try to figure, the, figure this out together. I think we need to decouple this. I, I, you know, I have faith that we can pull this together. I really do. I know, I know it's not always shared in, in, in this, but I do think that uh, when people look at what we're trying to do, and it doesn't, you know, this isn't something that happens. You know, we've, we've only had to, you know, we don't have hurricanes every day. This isn't, you know, it isn't, um, you know, it's, it's not an everyday occurrence. So, but when it happens, we need, we need everybody to step up. So what I would like to do is decouple this, send this um, project along its way, go ahead and, and go ahead and um, support that and, and, and amend that and, uh, and uh, agree with that. And then secondly, ask that, and I, and I, I know I've talked to Mayor Sturmer, ask that they, sure, can, can. Yes, come on up. Commissioner, I appreciate it, and I, I apologize for interrupting. What I'd ask you to also do is direct that the requirement of the Pompano Beach LUPA that requires a written agreement with the city of Pompano Beach also be rescinded. Okay. That, we were going to get there. To let that okay. be free and clear. Okay. Um, but that, the second part of this is that, that we begin discussions on trying to figure out an interlocal agreement between the cities. I think the school board one will be a separate one because we're already trying to work on that. And then I think we need to be asking the school board, look, you get, we need your help on this. There are lots, I know there are lots, lots of teachers that would be willing to do this and, and lots of school staff. But we, have to, we may have to ask and make some direct um, requests of them to get there. Um, this, may, this may require our, our commission to take those extra steps and ask our fellow elected officials in school board, in cities, and say, you know what, this is a partnership. We have citizens we need to protect together, and we need to do that. And so let's see how we can do that. So my motion is to first, and I, I, I will first make a motion to um, pass, I think it's 50. Item number 50, we, we could pass that right now. Okay. It, it's just, uh, Commissioner Ford, it's just, yeah, it's just setting it for a public hearing. Yes, setting yes. it for a public hearing. Uh, so I'm going to make a motion to adopt to adopt that for public hearing for May 7th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And then um, ask that, um, and I believe the Broward Lake Cities has already agreed to this, that that um, they that we discuss together, uh, and maybe it's a joint workshop. Maybe that may be may be one of the best ways to do it. Well, we'll we can talk about this and figure this out. But um, do you want to weigh in again on this? Stand here and again commit on behalf of the Broward League of Cities to sit down as soon as you can convene a meeting to do so. Okay, thank you. <coughs> that, we, that we work out a formula and an interlocal agreement that has the cities helping on the staffing. We need to figure out exactly what we need, how many we need, because the formulas, as, as I've been throwing numerous kind of formulas around, but none of them make sense unless we know what it's based on. So we, so once we have to kind of say, here's how many shelters 
we think we're going to need, here's how many staff we're going to need, and now let's start to fill in the blanks. So as long as we understand that what, what we will be providing to you has to be elastic, because what we yes. do is yes. we, we identify the number of shelter, shelters based on the type of storm that we're getting. Correct. And, and, and a lot of other factors. But if we were, I can clearly give you what is, if we were to spec it all out, if we opened up everything that we, that we had because we had that really, really big one, um, what we would need. Well, and, I can and, and maybe that. you may have category one formulas and category five formulas that help figure that out. But that's, that's, those are the kind of discussions we're going to have to figure out. And yes, they all have to be elastic. You're right. So okay. that's, that's it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Udine. Um, I voted, I was on the planning council and I was the one who voted against the Pompano land use plan when they brought that to us even though I happen to have thought that it was a, an excellent project. Um, and I still think that it's an excellent project. And the reason that I did that is because um, when, when, when we're serving on the planning council and then when we're here up here, we have a certain number of boxes that we have to check. Take hurricanes out of this for a second and say this was an affordable housing component that wasn't met. We would be doing having the same thing, but it's under the guise of affordable housing. So as this came to me on the planning council, and I still, still feel um, quite concerned about this today, we have an element in our land use planning guide, whatever it's called, a document. And our professional staff is saying to us, and we've all seen it because we were I was there too at the emergency center. In the event of a hurricane, we may not be able to shelter people properly, which leads to people not going to shelters, which, God forbid, could lead to people dying. And when that happens, if there is a storm in the future, I don't want to be the elected official that said, I ignored my professional staff. And, and I get what, what the developer is saying, and I get what the coastal cities are saying. But I'm not going to in, ignore my professional staff on an issue of this importance. So when the newspaper article is written two years ago after something is approved, and there's a death because we couldn't shelter somebody, our professional staff is going to say, we told them. And we're going to be, well, yeah, we heard, but we're going to try and work out a future agreement with other bodies. And Commissioner, uh, Mayor Sturmer makes a great point. I understand what the Broward League of Cities is saying, and I understand what Weston's saying. They don't have the number of employees that would have to do that, so there's got to be some kind of flexibility on that. But until we have some kind of agreement or some kind of process in place where our professional staff can say to us, we can sign off on this, what kind of position does that put us in as an elected official? I, the, the Broward League of Cities isn't going to send a resolution to us that says we're in support of all these projects even though there's not appropriate hurricane staffing. They're going to send it to us, the, well, county, you're responsible for hurricane staffing or whomever, and get an agreement in place, but how can we vote on that before we have that agreement? I have no problem transmitting this because this is going to come back to us uh, multiple times in the process. I would, I, I'm okay with decoupling it. But I think you have to ask an elected official long and hard to vote on something when their professional staff is telling us there's a preparation issue on this. That's my feeling. Heck, I, I, I think in some cases we don't have, we've already seen two mass casualties 
and we've had issues with the radio system. It's the same thing here. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I think we really need to pay a little bit closer attention to this, because if this was the affordable housing component, it wouldn't be the same. It would be a different conversation. We just heard it with Sunrise. I'm okay with, with com what Commissioner first saying. I'm also okay having the joint meeting, but we need to get an agreement in place, enough of we all want to help, we all know we have to help, we have this one to help. Those are my points. Yes, uh, we'll come back uh, to, to you, uh, Commissioner Farr. Uh, I'm next, but I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, Senator Rich uh, speak. Okay, Mr. Mayor, I me to the queue, but I'll be okay. very. Thank you. I, I just uh, will be brief here. I, I pretty much uh, agree with what uh, Commissioner Eugene just said. I mean, we, we really need to uh, get to some kind of a, uh, of a decision here. Um, first thing that came to my mind actually was the 911 piece that didn't work in the latest tragedy. So uh, we need to be prepared. And I, and I just want to say this, this idea about the school board. I find it really interesting. I mean, we have to be flexible. You have, you have a large number of school board employees, but you have a large number of them that have, you know, they're single moms with young, with, uh, young children, their families. They're, they're not going to be able to do this. So it has to be a partnership across all agencies of government and maybe even some corporate uh, entities that might be willing to ask yeah. their employees if they would like to be a part of this. But I think we need to, you know, really do it sooner than later. And I'm a little concerned about just getting the number five and number one because I don't know if you all remember Wilma. I do because it came across from the Everglades and, and destroyed Sunrise Lakes like I have never seen. Uh, roofs going off, people then having to be taken to shelters. Uh, so you never really can count on it. You just, you know, have to, I think, be ready uh, for... The, the, the ultimate eventuality that it's, you know, might be more serious. And uh, uh, I just, um, uh, you know, feel that, again, we need people across the board and we should have this workshop and try and uh, agree with decoupling and we should, you know, move forward with this and get an agreement together. And, and I, I think that everybody has good intentions and we should, um, you know, work together to make sure that we realize those and get them on paper with an agreement. Vice Mayor Holness? All the residents of Broward County, except for about 15,000, lives in a city. Statute says cities and counties are responsible. So if we are responsible for 15,000, where's the rest of the help coming from? But as Broward County has always done, we provide leadership. Thanks to Ms. Henry and the great professional staff that we have in place. We provided leadership on the E-91 system. We actually raised taxes to cover the cost for it. When, the other, when cities didn't want to touch it at all. On homelessness, we've led the effort. When cities didn't step up to the extent that they should, should many. It's not our problem. It's all of our problem. All these residents, except for 15,000, live in a city. When a hurricane comes, their lives are at stake. Not just the 15,000, but all of them. 
We provided leadership in affordable housing. We're still begging and pleading and negotiating with cities to be a part of this. The jobs that many of these lower income people provide is in every city that they take care of. They have to live somewhere. But many cities, we don't want them. We don't want any affordable housing here. But yet, the jobs that they do in those businesses that are within your city to help to fund your tax base, they're provided, but they can't live there. So on this issue, though I'm supportive of decoupling now, I still think we ought to hold it. And it's not blackmail, it's leverage. That's the only tool we have left. We have to be able to leverage in order to get others to the table. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be so. Not at all. We should hear from the cities, especially those on the, that, has the, that are on the barrier, barrier island, Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano. You've got large residents that have to be evacuated almost every time there's a major hurricane coming. That is why we need your help more than a Western. Though we need their help also. Maybe they have 10, they can only provide one or two. But everybody have to be engaged in this, I believe. So though I'm for decoupling on this, these two items, this one and the one from Pompano for us to go forward, we must have a timeline, Ms. Henry, as to when we are to complete this. When we are to get this into local agreement in place, that they are stepping up to help us. The state, FEMA is, we don't want a school board, probably because the state feel they're going to have to pay some more funding if that, if that happens. So they want to get away from that. Okay? So we, the county now, must pick the bag up for everyone. But again, it's all of our residents. It's the city's residents. It's the county's residents. It's the employees at the school board and the students at the school board that need these shelters. So all of us have to come together. I'm not against the leverage. I am for the leverage if that's what we must do because we must get the job done. So I'd say to you, Ms. Henry, if by the end of the month, uh, end of uh, May, we don't have this in place, go back to leveraging and let's get this done. Commissioner Fisher. Thank you, Mayor. I don't think anybody disagrees that, that we need to come together to create this plan to be able to service everyone in Broward County. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is that we're holding the land use plan amendments hostage <coughs> to get it done, and that's not the way to do it. So I, I'm liking the conversation that we're having today. I'm confused at, uh, Mr. Myers, where a state statute says X, and then Ms. Henry says the school board's saying this. I have to have clarification. It you know. wasn't the school board, it was the state. The school board took that position, but they took that position after they had their conversations with the state. This became a real big issue statewide um, with, the, with our association. Yes. So, so you have a state statute yes. that, that dictates X, and yet the state is saying something different now. The, the state, and I'd like to call up Ms. Harrod if I could, but what I think the state is, is saying at least emergency management, and it's just its interpretation is that if the school board provides personnel which is required under the statute, that the county is obligated to reimburse the school board for its costs 
uh, meaning that the, the way it's set up, 75% of reimbursement, if everything is done right, should come from FEMA. And then of the remaining 25%, half should be the state, half should be local. But sometimes FEMA doesn't jump in and reimburse. There are, there are issues with it. Uh, under the state uh, agency's interpretation, which we don't particularly agree with, uh, the, the county is obligated to reimburse the school board for its personnel costs. And if we don't end up getting FEMA reimbursement or state reimbursement, we're on the hook for all 100%. But I'd like to, uh, Ms. Harrod was going to also address one point. Yes, exactly what he just said on that issue. Um, and then one other point of clarification that was asked earlier in terms of what the joint responsibilities are. As Mayor Sturmer indicated, both the cities and the counties have joint responsibility. I also meant to point out to you, and I want to make sure that you're aware, that the statutes do, on that second statute, talking about the shelter facilities, do require that um, at the request of the county, which is the emergency management, any of the school facilities or the city facilities, anything that's owned or leased by any local government, must be made available. So if the city have some hesitation about providing staffing, they would necessarily, under the statute, be required to provide their facilities. And perhaps that is leverage in some respect as well, Commissioner. Um, one other last little point in terms of the um, confusion as to who the responsibilities lies with for the staffing. Uh, we have expressed um, uh, our opinion under the statute that it's clearly the staffing responsibility of the school vis-a-vis -vis the county and the school. One option, obviously, is always if you were to seek uh, judicial interpretation of that. The opinion that Mr. Myers was referring to is an email forwarding a non-FDEM unauthored two-page, three-page memo which originates on a funding question as to whether the county had funding responsibilities to um, pay for the school board staffing, and it also draws a conclusion that the county may, as um, Ms. Henry indicated earlier, may have primary responsibility for staffing, but that does not seem to be supported by the statute. Okay, thank you for that clarification. So, and going back to what Commissioner Furr was talking about, about the locals knowing the local area, and I get that, but what you have in the local markets that I see is you have most of your staff is at either the EOC or they're in the public works department ready to go clean up, et cetera. So their pool of, of, of uh, employees are very minimal as well as they are the county. So that becomes an issue too. Mr. Myers, how do we decouple the Hidden Harbor loop as well? Is there, is there something you're going to bring back to us? Uh, that we can make that happen. I know we're going to be doing it, obviously, with the diplomat, but how do we ensure that I think the consensus is that we do the same as the decoupling the Hidden Harbor? I, I think the, uh, the city seems to be requesting that the county commission uh, release or modify that condition of approval uh, for the sheltering employees. I think that's something that the county commission could do, certainly. I would, if that's what the board's inclined to do, I would like to bring an item back on the next agenda only for sunshine reasons. Uh, I would also like to, uh, if you wouldn't mind, ask, uh, we have an expert, uh, someone far more expert than I am up here about specific procedures. Mr. Snezak, if, uh, if I said anything inaccurate, if you could please correct it. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I think what Mr. Myers is saying is accurate. I mean, when the amendment was approved by the County Commission last May, it was done with a specific condition that an ILA be approved by the city, one that the city staff had agreed to, and it was totally written out. Then it, then it subsequently went to the city, and the city 
decided for its reasons not to approve that. So, yeah, there, there has to be some way to get this back it. in front of the Just board, in my opinion, for the commission to release that, uh, that, that condition of the amendment. Well, I hope that the board will support such, you know, in the near future so that loop it can move forward. So um, just a couple more things, Mayor, is as the Broward League gets involved and obviously gets together with other cities and so forth, <coughs> I'd like to see them work with the Emergency Coordinating Council, the ECC, to get them involved too. Uh, so they, Mr. Sturmer, if they can be part of the, of the conversation, obviously these folks deal with the Emergency Council every day and every day about this. So if you can get them involved, that would be great. We're prepared to sit with anybody. And just for recollection purposes, Vice Mayor, Ms. Henry can tell you I stood here and said when County Commission was putting forth its increased millage for the E911 system, the cities would stand here jointly with you. We have and we continue to. Thank you. Um, so I'm looking to the ECC Council to, to get involved with the barrel leaks on that if you can. Um, and lastly, you know, I'm not going to, this is a whole other thing, but as we went through Irma, when I was the mayor of Pompano Beach, shelters were an issue. We didn't have enough shelters. So just as a, as a sidebar, I hope that we can look to get additional shelters that we can have for our residents across Broward County. So again, Mayor, I'm just asking that uh, the Hidden Harbor issue move forward on decoupling, whether Mayor it could be, and you can handle that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mayor. So um, before I get over to Commissioner Geller, I wanted to let you know what I want to propose here. I want to take Commissioner Furr's motion 51 and break it up into four parts. The first one I want to do is a motion that the land use plan interpretation, as I'm advised by council, will not require, and we'll phrase that, not require the holding up of yeah, well, you know Mayor, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, just mechanically, you've, you've asked if it's the will of the board that the land use plan not be interpreted to require municipal staffing to meet to meet that condition. Uh, I, I just advise that uh, perhaps Mr. Seasnack can talk about the mechanics of it. I'm not doing it now. I just want to let the board know what I'm going to be, as Commissioner Fisher was talking about how we can do that. The second thing is I'm going to seek to rescind the agreement that we have with Pompano because, as council told me, they signed an agreement that has things regarding this that's not happening. So um, the third thing will also be to seek a, for our four lawyers here a deck action possibly because the statute says the school board, people are saying, no, the school doesn't isn't doing it. So why don't we let a deck action, this council I talked to yesterday about, thought maybe it might be a, a, a good alternative What's a deck action? A, a, a deck action is to ask the court to decide what the law is. What is the law on this? Instead of us interpreting and fighting with the school board or fighting with the cities, it, it lets the court determine the, the interpretation and, um, and last direct the staff to uh, meet with the League of Cities. So with, those are the things I'm going to try to propose. But uh, Commissioner Gallagher, okay. Thank you, Ms. Mayor. I was just going to say, until you brought that up, that I thought we were all in agreement with uh, Commissioner Furr's motions and was going to recommend that we vote because I agreed with what Commissioner Udine said. Mm -hmm. However, based upon what you just said, which disagrees with what Commissioner Udine says, and I happen to agree with him, which is I think we're ready to vote now to exempt Pompano and Hollywood while we try and work this out. However, I would not want to establish a policy changing 
okay. our existing policy uh, because I think the League of Cities says they'll work with us. So my, what Commissioner Furr's original motion was, which I was going to support okay. and recommend we vote on, is exempt those two, try and work things out with the League of Cities in the meantime, Fine. and let's vote right make, now. Make the motion and get us. Second. I'm seconding Commissioner Furr's motion. Possible. I that's it's fine on Pompano, but I'm I am concerned about Sunshine issues on. It's fine on, it's fine on excuse me. Yes, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say yes. It's fine on Hollywood. Excuse me. Uh, I'm concerned Sunshine reasons on Pompano. If you make that motion today, we would still bring back something to ratify at next meeting. So I would just ask sure. if there could be direction instead on right. Pompano for us to bring back. Mr. Chair, if Mayor Fur will if, if Commissioner Fur will amend his motion, I will second that uh, to do what. What the county I, think, I don't, I don't think Lanyon do. had included Pompano yet. I, I don't think you, you did. Oh, well, in that case, I'd like to move his motion along with his motion. Okay. <laughs> We're second both of them. Why don't you state it? Uh, Commissioner okay. Dean, go but, ahead. Right. No, wait, Commissioner Dean wants to go ahead. Okay. Commissioner Dean. The, the, listen, the only problem with that is when this came to the Planning Council, the, the Planning Council and county staff is saying, and I get it, this is incredibly unfair to the city of Pompano Beach. I said that at the Planning Council meeting. It's incredibly unfair to all the coastal cities. The issue is the Planning Council said through the land use plan that we are not prepared with shelters in the event of a hurricane. Forget about who's staffing it. Forget about who's paying for it. The county has said that this Broward County because of A, B, and C issues, is not prepared with appropriate shelters. I haven't seen anybody saying anything different than that. I'm about to. Okay. But <laughs> what, the, what the planning council did at the time was, to alleviate that, they forced this condition on the city of Pompano Beach, which is unfair. I have no problem pushing these things through right now, but I, don't, I will not change, I'm not voting to change that policy. Um, and I would think future people that are coming before us with these issues, if that's a policy in there, it's the same to me as affordable housing. It's the same to me as if a road couldn't service this building, there would be something that someone would say. We have to be very careful on this because I don't want to go on record personally approving something that my professional staff says we can't do. And at the Broward League of Cities, we all can talk about this. We're going to be back here in a year without an agreement done, and we're all going to say, why are we allowing these developments if our residents aren't safe? I got two people in queue. Commissioner did, for did you, Mr. Commissioner Rich. And, and I think we already and commission and Vice Mayor Holness. I got and, three and people that want Commissioner to Commissioner Dean, I very much respect what you're trying to say. In terms of this is what this is our policy. And you know you don't want to go against that because this is trying to get us to that point. The problem is it will never get us to where we need to go. You can't have enough land use amendments put forth in front of the Planning Council to adequately shelter the people in this county. So, if you, you, so I'm not going to stand behind something and, and, and die on that sword saying, man, that's the only way we're going to get there. That's not how we're going to get there. No, but the policy is not I know. But the policy itself, and we have to recognize this, we have to recognize that that policy is not going to get us to where we need to go. We thought we, we, we all passed it. I think we probably passed it unanimously, thinking this might get us enough staff to do it. This, this one for Hollywood might get us four. The one for Pompano might get us four. That's it. There's not another land. We need hundreds and hundreds. So 
I'm not, I'm not going to hide behind some policy that is inadequate. The fact of the matter is, it is inadequate. And we have to figure out another way to go about this. And so I'm, gonna, I'm going to say we should that, and I agree with you, I actually think that policy needs to be rescinded because it's not going to get us where we got to go. The, no, the policy is trying to say the interpretation. That, the interpretation. The, the policy is trying to say that every land use amendment that comes up on the on the barrier island is going to have to be um, brought forth with so many, with some x number of staff have to be extracted from that city. That's what it says right now. There's not that many land. There's not that many possibilities in those cities. Of, of that's what it says right now. Yeah, that's the interpretation. That's the interpretation, right? Now. That's what the interpretation. And we're and if the idea is that we're going to get enough staff from every land use amendment, it's not going to happen. That's not we we have to we have to back up, retreat, think about other ways to get there <coughs> because that's not going to get us there. And that's why this is a much better chance of figuring out some kind of interlocal agreement, working with the school board, sure. working with corporations, other other groups, and start to find out. Who, who's willing to help be on the teams that will be on those shelters? That's where we have to go. I need this, to... The, I, that, I, that, I, that, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I need to interrupt everybody. <laughs> I need a motion to extend this meeting. We already went 20 minutes. Half hour? Oh, wow. 20 minutes. Do I have Mo a motion? So move. <laughs> so move. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? It's, this means it's a 120. Okay. Um, that's where I think we need to go. So um, that's... I understand what you're saying, but it's it's it's... It's bigger than that. Wait, I got Com Commissioner Rich has been next, and she's yeah. and yeah. I need her to I go just, next. Yeah, I, I just need to clarify, actually, right in the agenda item, what the Planning Council did, because it wasn't what you, you were, when you were on it, uh, Commissioner Udine. So this passed unanimously, and it's, no, not on this, not, not for this. Not on Hollywood, I guess, on the beach. No, this is Hollywood, and, and it says that it was recommended recommended approval subject to a second planning council public hearing consistent with the council's revised rules and continued dialogue between the applicant city and county regarding the policy related to hurricane evacuation sheltering so that's what this said okay so this that's different from what you would re were referring to wants. when you were on the planning council and and voted on it this is entirely different than what was passed unanimously with, I believe, the recommendation of the staff and the continued discussion and dialogue around the hurricane evacuation sheltering. Okay, why don't we get this to a vote, okay? Okay. Uh, hold on, this is uh, Commissioner Furr's original motion. Do you wanna put forth your motion? Well, the first motion it was to have the uh, item 50 go to the public hearing. Right. So why don't we do them one at a time? Can okay. we do that? Make them I'd like to take second. item 50. That's the, no, it's not. Yeah, 50. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Item 50. Uh, it's both, I don't have to do it separately, both parts. Okay. Do I have a motion for 50? Yes. Well, I already gave, had a motion, yeah. I have a motion to second for 50. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Show item 50 passing 8-0. Let's go to now 51. Are you, are you going to amend a motion to discuss to a motion to, a motion to change the land use plan interpretation? I'm, I want to actually. I want to. I want to speak with him. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm, I'd like to speak with the uh, county ma manager and Henry Seasnack on this to make sure we get this right. So I'm not going to do that part yet, but I am going to uh, make a motion that we um, work with the Broward League of Cities 
um, to, to develop a formula that can, can, that can help in the staffing of shelters. Okay, all right, Motion. Mr. Mayor. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, to, to amend that, just to, okay. with your permission, to include that a lot of people are suggesting that we amend the, the land use policy later. Mm -hmm. um, I would not be supportive of that. And what I was gonna suggest was that after negotiations with the league are completed, mm -hmm. That then we can have a, that we would then have additional discussions on the policy. Let's see what we can work out with the league first. I agree. That's that's smart. So, all right, and that was much. So there's no so, vote needed. Yeah, he made a motion. So my, my motion is we're, we're going to go forth, right. trying to figure out a formula, trying to get cities together. Right. So your motion. And, and then afterwards, if we can't come together there, then we may Mayor, have to do that. Right. So your motion is to direct staff to work with the League of Cities. Is that what your motion is? Um, that's specific. Is that the best way to do this? Um, okay. Have a workshop to do, yes. Direct staff, Direct your county staff administrator. To, to help in, in determining the formulas and, and ways of trying to um, populate the shelters. We go, okay. Staff's going to need to, but let me I, just finish. One sure, I'm sorry. Staff's going to need to be able to help in terms of saying what the num what, how many numbers are needed, pop, you know, helping in terms of putting the data together, populations, number of employees, all those kind of things, evacuation zones, and then work with the Broward League of Cities to to help on this and, and just to just to point out i think your county minister our county minister is going to tell everybody i've been trying to work with the cities we've been sending them letters we're not getting any response so you're, now you're telling me to go out. back and work did, with them i did get response from a number of cities last year that were willing to help and i want to put that on the record there were some that said no but they like i said there was a misinterpretation of what was being asked so i'm i'm going to uh, go at this with from from a good faith effort and and go from there. ever the optimist ever the optimist I quickly just want to add, I, I, I'm not in disagreement with what Beam's saying. The policy is hurricane evacuation time and or shelter capacity. It may be that, it's, that there's some issue. This is part of our Broward County land use plan. If something's built on a barrier island and there's a hurricane evacuation issue, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not a staffing issue. Maybe it's some other issue that because of how something's being done, you can't get everybody off on a road or something. The policy needs to be there. If the interpretation's different, work with them and do it. I don't want to use words like holding hostage and holding leverage, because I don't think that's the issue. The issue is we have a policy that we want a hurricane evacuation plan to be as positive as possible. That's what we need to keep with. And the cities will be our partners in this. They're going to have to be. It's their residents. It's their residents. They're not going to come up and say, vote for a pro they're not going to do it in their cities vote for a project if there's no if there's if they don't get the recommendation of hurricane evacuation plans if they are i'd like to see them commissioner fisher well mayor just just a point of record i'm trying to figure out because commissioner for you talked about doing a rescinding of that specific policy concerning the loop i'm not i'm not saying you're not doing that now i'm not doing that now okay so in the meantime i just want again mayor we want to go back to the if we have to do a separate motion to decouple the Hidden Harbor one. Yes. Do we have to do a separate motion for that? If, at the next meeting. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure we're going to go there, that's all. We, we, I will prepare any item that I'm directed to okay, prepare. Okay, so I'll need, I'll need to deal with that after his motion, yeah. Mayor, okay? Yeah. Commissioner Fisher, you could, you could also direct me to prepare that and we'll prepare that. Uh, there doesn't need to be a but vote then, to put then something I'm on. asking yes. for you to do that with the so committee. I know, but I also want to have, the, obviously, the board's right. uh, yeah, blessing to do so. I don't want to have to have an and he should come back. So, and we so you, back you, you, you would like to make a motion well. to direct the county attorney 
to come I, back with the appropriate language on the next agenda item regarding. I get it. I get that. Thank you. Let me do that, Mayor. Thank you. Please. Vote. Vote. So, we have a motion uh, for. Uh, we'll, do you want to state the motion, please? Uh, the motion is that we, uh, we're directing staff to work with Broward League of Cities and, and the help the establishment of a formula, a policy that will help in them uh, helping to staff the shelters. I have a motion. I have a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing 8 0. Now let's go, to forward to work on part, let's go to part two. Commissioner Fisher. Well, I think I'm asking uh, to direct the county attorney to be able to bring back to us uh, the decoupling of the Hidden Harbor uh, Lupa. Uh, I, I have a motion and a second on Commissioner Fisher. Yeah. Commissioner Fisher stated that he would like like a vote on it. It's, it's a, oh, okay. he, he can. It's not required. I, I'm I prepare just, whatever. I just I like I just like to have our folks out there understand that, okay. that they have the support. We'll do a vote. That's all. Second. Okay. Thank you. All in favor of this? Aye. Aye. All in favor? Okay. Yeah. You bet. I'm in total favor Th of it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of the commission. We appreciate your assistance mm -hmm. and look forward to working collaboratively with all of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. We do too. We have one last thing. And, and if I may, just as a point of reference, you need to understand, and I know you do, but there is a distinction between county staff taking positions before the planning council and planning council staff's right. responsibility right. with what right. they have to do right. with recommendations made by county administration. Item 55 is a motion to adopt the resolution directing the county administrator to publish a notice of public hearing to be held on Tuesday, May 7th to consider enactment of a proposed ordinance pertaining to the Broward County Construction Apprenticeship Program. Um, I don't have any speakers on that. Uh, bring it back to the dais. Do I have a motion on that? Yes, there's an amendment, though, so we have to deal Okay, with that. Commissioner Geller. Uh, th thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor. Uh, we previously discussed this. This is a motion that would require uh, on county-funded contracts in excess of $2 million to use apprentices uh, 12% because we want to develop the skilled workforce. Um, the major thing is that this also requires certified apprenticeship programs, not just, you know, Joe the plumber saying, hey, here's my son, he's my apprentice. That to be enrolled. The only controversy here at all is my, the original motion had a exempting CBEs that had less than uh, a million dollars in joint uh, labor and parts. Um, Commissioner Holness wanted to raise has an amendment to raise that to two million dollars. Um, my concern on that was. If it's $2 million, it depends really how much of that is labor, how much is materials. So I agree with your intent that a million is too small a number if it's labor and materials. So I have a substitute amendment to say $1 million, but only in labor. So if they have $1 million on one project alone in a year, then there's that's 10 or 12 employees, they should be able to have one apprentice on that. But I agree the way it was worded, it could be a million dollars, 900 in parts, and only 100 in labor. So I agree with your intent. I think the better way of doing that is making a million dollars only for labor costs. So, so my, my thoughts is, to keep it simple, yeah. we do two million just as with the, the primes. And, and then we won't have to worry about 
that the, issue. So, so it, it makes it quite simple, quite clear. Everyone knows how to follow it. Originally, we thought we would have been exempt or uh, CBEs. In this instance, we weren't. We're putting a million dollars in. It is, we, we have to be mindful of these CBEs and, and, and the, the small margin, mar, mar, margin often that they work on. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're subcontracting, the prime takes off a piece of the profit up here, a good chunk. The, the, the sub usually have a much smaller margin to work with, uh, which doesn't give them as much leverage as the prime. So that's the reason why I wanted to make sure that we're not making it too burdensome on ourselves. Commissioner Honest, with your permission, yeah. Mr. Commissioner Honest, I, we originally, when I originally drafted, I put the CBE exemption in because we want to make sure we're not burdening that. But it kind, I think it makes more sense to do it on labor because if it's two million, it could be an electrical right. sub putting in one generator that costs 1.9 million and only 100,000 worth of labor. So that's why it, it really would make, I think, more sense to do a million dollars in of labor, labor costs. Okay, I, I can live with that. That's okay, no in that case, Mr. Mayor, if that's my amendment, if we adopt that, I think everybody's in agreement. We can vote and go home. Great. Do we have? A, do we have, well, we still have to come back for the next meeting. Right. That's anyway. just said in the public hearing. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I have an amended motion. I think. So, Mr. Mayor, I would move that. Um, Commissioner Holness has had offered an amendment. I believe he's withdrawing it, and I'm offering my amendment, which is attached, which says that the CBE is exempt uh, if the or it only applies CBE if it's less than one million of labor costs. Right. It applies to them if it's more than one million. Not right. Than I'm one sorry. Million. Yes, that's correct. Okay. It's it's the wording in the amendment. Yeah. So if we adopt that amendment, then we could just vote to put it on public hearing, and we're all okay, in agreement. Second the amendment. I see. Yeah. Okay, I got a motion. I got a second. You're, all in favor? You're voting on the item as amended, though. As right. amended. Okay. Yes. As Thank amended. you. Right. Okay. I have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing yes. eight to nothing. He <laughs> 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 swoops in. Yes. Um, are we finished? Um, wanted to touch on uh, real quickly, uh, Commissioner Dean. You mentioned earlier today that you were talking regarding, I think, 10th Street. We, okay, just to let you know, um, because I can't talk to you privately about it. Um, the mayor of Deerfield Beach, Bill Gans, you know, has told me with other people, other commissioners there who were on the code committee for um, the MPO. The code committee made suggestions on how they wanted the design of 10th Street connector. Um, the MPO then voted on those recommendations. So far, FDOT and their contractors have not at all done anything the Coke Committee has voted on or the MPO has voted on. And so I just want you to know that there's going to be some kickback. They're, everyone's open to doing something to make that happen. But um, so just so you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, fighting about that. So they, they undertake the Coke Committee's recommendations. That was my point with this. On the southern side of this sawgrass, we're going to have the same thing if we don't do it kind of right the first time, because it's hard to come back 20 years later. But I agree, point well taken. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know what was going on. Let's start with the county administrator's report. Nothing. Mm -hmm. County uh, auditor? No. Claire. Claire. 
Um, I just want to mention one thing. Um, uh, Commissioner Udine had uh, brought up uh, at the opening of the meeting about the um, tragic loss uh, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And I do want to tell you that the community is coming together. Um, I know that uh, Commissioner Udine was at an emergency True. meeting, but there is going to be a push to uh, ask for another a uh, million dollars uh, for um, actually um, suicide prevention activities to make sure that people get educated, aware, uh, parents know the questions, all the things that the group was talking about. But we're working with the, um, the managing entity, the Barra Behavioral Health Coalition and the Children's Services Council. We're working uh, with the entities in uh, Tallahassee because it appears there may be a pot of mental health money uh, that Senator Galvano is interested in having to be able to, to provide for more mental health services and education on suicide prevention. So we're going to work uh, on that and uh, just, you know, coming up within the next few weeks. So we'll just keep everybody posted and who the people are. I know that uh, Marty Cassini, our whole lobbying team, is connected into this. And uh, we'll see if we can't. Uh, you know, we, we got some monies. We are also looking for an additional CAT team, the Comprehensive Assessment Team, which we need, we must have, because we have lots of uh, families uh, and, and children from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas that are uh, coming in and needing that assistance. So uh, we're just trying to alert everybody uh, that we all need to be lobbying together to get that, uh, those resources in Broward County. Our meeting's extended to 120, it's 118. Vice Mayor Holness. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's that, is that a hint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I'll be as quick as possible, but I have to speak. Tomorrow I'll be attending the uh, presidential investiture of uh, President Gregory Hale. Uh, Greg is the seventh president of Broad College and was named to the position last July. Broad College is consistently ranked as one of the top community college in the nation and is ranked first in the nation for the number of associate's degrees awarded to minority students. Congratulations to President Hale. Later in the evening, uh, tomorrow, I'll join other elected officials and honorees as I accept a Pink Ice Award at the Zeta Rho Omega Chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Pearls, Pumps, and denim celebration. On Sunday, I will attend the International Inco Economic Forum of the Americas World Strategic Forum uh, Club Executive Dinner as a part of our port group. The World Strategic Forum is an organization that brings awareness of global, global issues by bringing together heads of state, the private sector, international organizations, and the like. The din this dinner will include discussion with Arnold Donald, president of C and CEO of Carnival Corporation, and Osana Bedier, CEO and co-founder of Google Wallet. That's it? Yes, I'm done. Okay. I know. <laughs> okay, real quick. Um, this week I had a chance to join with uh, Matt Schwartz of the South Florida Wildlands Association for presentations uh, with the, at the League of Women Voters and Broward Democratic Environmental Caucus. Had to do with the oil drilling that is being proposed in, in, the, uh, in the Everglades. And I believe we have an appeal that we have to have ready by April 3rd. Is that correct? I don't know the exact uh, date, Commissioner Fur, but uh, 
essentially we had moved for rehearing right uh, and as a result of that actually one of the arguments that a couple of our lawyers uh, helped to develop uh, the first DCA did something very smart and withdrew its prior opinion issued a new one so now <coughs> excuse me we're on a 15-day clock right. to see whether we can move for rehearing again or whether we will be seeking uh, discretionary review by the Supreme Court that involves uh, coordinating with uh, DEP again right. and bank uh, and bank, uh, perhaps, yeah. I, I had to learn what that was. Yes, sir. I figured out. Um, at the MPO next week, um, two big votes taking place. One is on the Fourth Amendment, which puts all of us on the MPO. The second, if I'm not mistaken, I think we finally have an ILA together. Well, we believe we do. That's, uh, and I believe that's going to be up for a vote then, right? Mm -hmm. That has to do with the how the money will be spent um, and, the, and the agreement with the MPO on prioritizing and ranking and stuff. Um, climate, cha uh, climate Change Task Force, uh, uh, Commissioner Rich and I co-chaired this uh, last week, and they developed three new committees. One is uh, one on inter intergovernmental coordination, one on an EV infrastructure, electric uh, vehicle infrastructure for all of Broward County, which I'm excited about, and one on social equity. Um, Hollywood is gonna have a gun buyback uh, Friday, tomorrow. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and guns can be dropped off at police headquarters, 3250 Hollywood Boulevard. Also, tax day is coming up. Broward County is partnering with Hispanic Unity of Florida to offer val uh, volunteer income tax assistance to residents in need of help. And I think that's it. Okay. Yep, that's it. Commissioner Rich. She has a quick thing. Mr. Sharif is not here, but she is going to be honored on Sunday. She will be inducted into the Broward County Women's Hall of Fame. Oh. So congratulations to her, and I'll, I will be there as well as I hope some of you. And before I give you Commissioner Geller, there's, I did bring up about a deck action. Um, I did want you guys to think about um, to solve the problem with the cities, everybody's saying, well, the school board's responsible, the city's responsible, there's all this conflict of who's actually responsible for staffing, and I think the way to kind of maybe help resolve it, or at least inst it might put pressure on getting it resolved, is by instituting a deck action, uh, which, the, which the county attorney then files to ask the court to make that determination. And um, so it's something that's not on the agenda, but I hope that uh, you guys would consider it. Might be good. Mr. Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, while I've been Tallahassee, been working on a number of Broward issues. People are, I think, aware we've run into some issues involving a local bill pertaining to the uh, uh, the responsibilities of the clerk of court and the implementation of Amendment 10. I understand that it is now hopefully all been resolved, the issues have been resolved, and the objections have been withdrawn, and it looks like the bill is on its way to at least passage if unless somebody else torpedoes it, but it looks good right now. The, the people who have been objecting have withdrawn their objections. 